Are we creatures of will and intent? Or is our lifespan predetermined based on the cards we were dealt? It is the question of our nature, a template for the soul bound by society and harnessed by rules, alignments, and expectations. The framework of a whole creature. And yet, this bounded existence can be studied, analyzed, and planned. In fact, so many of the lesser worlds hold themselves as such a design. Destiny, they call it. A glimpse I measure to the grand clock beyond the ether, echoing only in the land of dreams. It is here a creature resides, amidst the gears of time floating in the astral seas of the dreamscape, the land nestled between the laws of waking and the chaos of beyond. He is known to few and feared by many, but blesses the dreamers, so they say. The Taker, it is known, will pluck those blessed by the Grand Clock, the Unbounded. And what he takes will be tested. He will light a flame within you, and it is up to you to kindle it, forge it, build it, with whatever you can. Some candles return to the binding, a measure of new power within, and others burn out. Hi there, my name is Adamus. This podcast contains strong language, violence, and excessive identity crises. You're listening to The Misadventurers. adventurers and fellow listeners my name is adamus i'm a game master and host for a podcast called the dm shower thoughts and i'm joined today by some absolutely wonderful people to embark on an intriguing and challenging adventure they are hi <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> hello i am jasmine i am a player of the misadventurers and very excited to join this adventure and I am Yessi. You may also recognize me from Advantage as Grimton Steadyhand. And I'm Riley, and I'll be joining player and out of character. And I'm Ian. I am from the DM Shower Thoughts podcast, and I'll be uh, joining uh, this particular adventure. And I'm really excited. Before we really get into this proper, I ask you all to roll a d20 and tell me the number you rolled. The audience doesn't know what this is for yet, but they'll find out. And so will you. Four. Fifteen. That's an eight for me. Sixteen. Okay, so. This tale begins as the sun sets. Rays of radiance and a touch of amber spill across your tired forms, and exhaustion taking hold. Strange. All you had was an assembly today. A guest speaker. Professor Goldtongue, was it? Could really drone on and on. Didn't seem like you really wanted to be there anyway. 
and yet your bodies drag each into your dorms. You begin your routines, only mildly taking note of the absence of roommates, and begin to bed down. Exams begin tomorrow, and you'll need your rest. With a heavy thump, you each hit your pillow, the room beginning to spin. Colors bleed from the walls and rivulets and rivers, coalescing in a pool along the floorboards. And just as you think you'll go blind from the discordant painting, each of you becomes starkly aware, in your dissonant spaces, of a tiny mote of pulsing light. It ducks and bobs gently over the chaos of your room, setting down mere inches from your face. It is a firefly, simple and bright. The light of its body pulses. As your eyes transfix upon it, you feel the hair on your body stand on end with electrical current. As it burns brighter, the darkness grows deeper. Soon it is only you in the void, and the firefly at your vision. You are held there for an impossible moment. Then the little bug shoots towards you, booping you in the nose and breaking your trance. Its lazy flight away from you offers a tiny roving lantern, illuminating the damp cut stone beneath you as it presses into your face. The firefly dances up the walls, similar dark stone, rusty chains, and clasps hanging from spikes in the ceiling. Its journey bobs past a set of iron bars, leaving you in the cell and you watch it begin to blur ahead of you as it meets another firefly, and they spiral upward through a grate in the ceiling. You're in a 10 by 10 stone room, uh, barren, save for the few errant rusted chains that hang broken from the wall, and a pile of charred linens in the far corner. From Firefly's wake, you glimpsed a long hallway ahead of you, ending in another set of iron bars, a glowing red rune above its threshold. Another hallway appears to transfix this one, like an X. Ren. The linens behind you shift and shake, the stiff cloth rolling and tumbling as a hand shoots free in a stretch. Uh, Verity and Ren, uh, starting with Ren, could you uh, describe for the audience what you look like? So Ren, I... Uh, uh, I have olive skin and some pointed ears. Uh, I have uh, silver hair, uh, relatively cut short, with a few scars on my face from uh, some fist fights that I've been in. I'm not too tall. I'd, I would say I'm about uh, about five eight or so. And uh, I am initially startled by this, uh, this stretching that I didn't expect, uh, but I don't really react visually. It's more of something that I keep to myself. <laughs> and then uh, Jazz, if you could describe yourself. Uh, Verity, or I suppose I. Um, Verity is a very short, plump, with a very round face and Thick, very messy blonde hair. Um, she has kind of bronzed skin and is covered in freckles um, and looks very unkempt in every way and is uh, hasn't even really taken in the surroundings at all. Uh, she just stretches and yawns and looks around blearily, not reacting too much to the interesting situation she finds herself in. Uh, in the other end of the hall, in a similar 
So, Yessie, could you uh, describe yourself? So I awaken uh, long blonde hair uh, tied up in a ponytail, a slender frame, but still kind of strong, about 5'10", visible scars on cheeks and forearms, with a very uh, curious look on his face. Next to you, um, there is a broken bed, uh, and it is it is split down the middle. However, there's a bundle of rags and sheets, rather filthy, and a mound that stirs. Lewis, you find yourself covered in rags and uh, uh, blankets, uh, fighting for air. I kick the blankets off immediately. All right, the bank the blankets fly off, and um, uh, yes, you see whatever Riley describes at the moment. Uh, a stocky little human is was pretty like dirty before even showing up in this place. Um, with a mop of dark brown hair that's mostly tied back, but not very carefully. Um, doesn't seem to get much sun. Riley, uh, could you roll a d20 for me, please? Nine. Thank you. As you start to move, uh, Riley, your character, um, you hear a clink, 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 and look down to see connected to your right wrist is uh, a set of um, clasps, uh, manacles, and they bind you to a rusted chain attached to the wall. Um, your companion in the room is not chained to anything. And as a point of reference, um, the other two of you in the other cell across the hall, you're not chained to anything either. The bindings are sort of rusted and they kind of cut into your skin. It's very uncomfortable. What would you like to do? Uh, can I tell what would be like the weakest point of that connection? A particularly rusty link or something? Yes, you can. So what you're going to do is make an investigation check. And here's your first moment of finding something out. So roll a d20 and add 9 to it. Oof! <laughs> 19. All right. Uh, so you immediately, calmly, and calculatingly uh, look at the manacle and see that about uh, two-thirds toward the wall, the, um, the uh, links are beginning to stretch, and like something was struck on them with acid, and they're beginning to break and, and bow. Uh, probably either a, a good strike there or even a strong yank uh, would wrench them free. Put my feet on the wall and kick back. Okay. Uh, so this will be uh, an athletics check. You're going to roll a d20 and add nothing. 11. Okay. Um, <laughs> this this <laughs> stocky little human. <laughs> um, that is enough, however. The, uh, the stone doesn't give free, but the chain, weak as it is, does <laughs> and uh, wrenches free, uh, snapping. And you now have a manacle uh, with about a foot of chain hanging from it, uh, rusted and pretty messed up, um, now hanging free. I'm going to switch back to Ren and Verity as you do not know each other, and you find yourself in this predicament. Hiya. What were you doing inside those rags? Oh, what was I doing last night? The question, how'd I end up here? I, I really couldn't tell ya. Uh, Ren is, is like giving Verity uh, kind of just a, 
you know, just in a an appraising look, like not sure, like who this person is at all. Uh, not sure. It doesn't seem like they pose any threat or anything to Ren. Uh, and he's gonna continue to look around at this cell and say, "Well, whatever you did last night, it probably wasn't great." I mean, I could say the same for you. Have we m- met? Before, I don't feel like I recognize you. Ren just kind of shakes his head. Uh, no, I I don't recognize you at all either. And I'm not one for drinking, so I don't think it's just that I forgot. Yeah, I mean, I am, but I usually have a good memory about it. Hmm. Across the way, Riley and Yessie, you can hear voices. Probably the level of a whisper. But it's further down the hall, and uh, you can see, well, some of you can see. Did you hear that? I think so. I'm sorry. Uh, who are you again? Uh, 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 do you know why we're here? Who are you? Uh, I have no idea why we're here. Lucius is the name. How sturdy are these bars? I would like to find out. All right. So, uh, Lucius, do you do you go kind of test the bars? Yes. All right. Uh, they are a pretty strong iron, but uh, as your hands wrap around them, you notice the the cold uh, steel uh, color spreads to your hands. It courses across your skin just a little bit, as if your hands had a metallic sheen to them, like they match the iron. You can continue to investigate, but that's something you see as you go over. Whoa. Yeah, um, I'd like to firmly grasp the bars with both hands and see if anything happens. Grasping the bars with both hands? Let's see, Lewis, you uh, notice also that the, like, the entire color of Lucius's skin turns to that iron color. And for a moment, it's it's actually hard to see him as anything other than an iron statue. Um, Lucius, you notice the, the coloring move across your skin almost like a chameleon adapting to its its form. I like let go in a panic. Uh, the color retreats and it returns to your regular um, skin tone. What was that? I very cautiously just touch a fingertip to the bar of my cage. Okay. Uh, Lewis, you touch a fingertip to the bar. Um, your skin tone does not change. However, you do feel a strange um, kind of uh, vibration at the tip of your finger. As you as you keep your finger there, a vine grows out from your skin and begins to curl gently around the bar. It doesn't hurt. It's just there. Hey, it looks like you're growing something there, bud. Yeah, I, I take a couple steps back from the bars. All right, you move back from the bar, and the vine remains uh, as if it had oh, detached God. almost from your, your finger. Uh, checking your finger, there's no slit or anywhere where it would have grown out of. And in just a few seconds, the vine rapidly dies, burns away through, over the course of its life. Is that normal? No, I'm holding my hand as far away from my body as I can. <laughs> staring at it horrified Uh, (laughs) that's perfect everybody Um, (laughs) 
<laughs> now, at this point, in just taking in stock of your surroundings, looking down and being surprised at the new abilities that you didn't know were here, uh, you are wearing your standard garb that you would for adventuring, but are devoid of any weapons or other useful items. Also, you each become aware of the set of five metal bands that line your wrists, ankles, and neck. One for each placement, so one on each wrist, one on each ankle, and one around your neck. These give off no light on their own, but glow gold at the touch. Do we have these as well? Yes, you do. So I'll switch back to uh, Ren and Verity. I'm sorry, I didn't catch your name. Oh, it's uh, Verity. And yours? Ren. These bracelets are very stylish. Like, I mean, I'm not, you know, I the metal choker, very good for the punk aesthetic. I'm here for it. But I've never seen anything that glows like this before. And she's literally just like staring at her wrist and like poking it and then moving her finger away and just poking it and just watching it glow and like, huh? It is unusual. I would imagine that there's some form of magic. Um, and Ren would like to take a closer look. Ren, uh, just roll a d20 for me. You're going to make an intelligence check. So I rolled a 15. Plus 3 is 18. So, uh, taking a, a closer look at them, um, the rings themselves glow. To you, they glow. They seem to give off almost a ethereal smoke. And it is a, a kind of a deep magenta. Do, do you see this? This... Uh... This kind of like smoke or something that's coming off of them. Vera, do you see nothing uh, happening uh, with the um, the bracelets other than they're really stylish and they glow when you touch them? Uh, nope, can't say I do. They look great though. We might be in prison, but at least we look good. Yeah. Is there anything else around the cell? The cells are mostly barren. Uh, and uh, by Baron, I mean that there's there's really nothing to to grab other than a few cobblestones, uh, some um, uh, sets of burnt linens that seem to have stains of blood on them. Uh, for, and this would be for both uh, cells. The iron bars that are uh, ahead of you have a few cross hatches, but they're mostly straight up and down. Um, and there's a single torch that uh, illuminates the central um, part of this hallway where there's a, a four corners. You can see, however, it does slightly illuminate another set of bars uh, across at the, uh, the far end of that hallway. You know that there's another cell, and you can hear talking, uh, maybe at the edge of a whisper, hard to make out words, but there are other people here. Hmm. It looks like we're not alone. Well, I don't know about you, but I, I'd like to try and get out of this this place as soon as possible. Yeah, Verity, like, runs over to the door, like, to grab onto the bars, pull herself right up to the door and yell, Aya! Down the hall. <laughs> oh, I was hoping you wouldn't do that. So, other other group, uh, you can hear that. It cascades across the hall, bouncing off the stone. <laughs> um, very loud. It actually seems to reverberate. And you actually notice, uh, upon hearing that, um, a rumble begins and then stops, shaking dust free from the ceiling, like something deeper within wherever this uh, structure is 
is moving. I'm gonna press myself against the bars, have, hearing someone say, hey, ah, uh, and go, hello! Do I notice my skin change again? Yes, it does. Noticing that, I'm gonna try to just yank these bars open, hoping I have some sort of, like, iron statue strength. Okay. Uh, in that case, uh, you're gonna make an athletics check. Alright. Add one. <laughs> Well, I rolled a 17, so 18. Okay, so 18. Uh, and with that, you kind of ground yourself, uh, easily rooting, and just... And there's... And uh, two of the bars just go ping out of their um, spots uh, and start to bend and bow, uh, uh, breaking to your, your strength. Superior strength. Um, <laughs> your, your hands uh, still are the and your skin are still the color of, of the steel. Uh, the moment you let go, it, however, returns to your regular color. And as that <laughs> snaps, you hear a low rumble echoing off the stone further down the hallway. You all immediately recognize it as a deep growl. A predator is nearby. Heavy footpads stalk closer and closer. I'm gonna grab one of the bars that plinked off and just keep it with me. Just and you have this kind of a bent, uh, somewhat rusted, but still hefty enough iron bar. Lewis, what are you doing? Is there another bar on the ground? Uh, there is. There are, there are two that have been knocked free, so you each pick up a bar, and you are ready to fight. I'd be careful out there. I think I heard something. A predator. Lewis, as you pick up the bar, your hands begin to glow and uh, a, a torrid of light starts to kind of flow over your whole body. You actually emit light at about a five-foot radius. It doesn't quite sparkle. It's like it glows out from your chest. It's warm and radiant. Can we see that light? Oh, yeah, you can. Very conspicuous. <laughs> it looks like they, they got out of there. I wonder, I wonder if we can, maybe they can help us. Yeah, but like then you heard that big growling noise, right? Like that. Maybe we're better off in here, you know. Um, did anything happen when Verity grabbed the bars? Oh, uh, when Verity grabs the bars, you you grab them. They kind of shake. Roll a d twenty for me. Okay, fifteen. Okay. Uh, even as you hoist yourself up to the bars, to yell. You were really intent on just yelling, but you now look down and see that the bars have bent from where you pulled yourself up. As you pull your hands away, there are indentations in the iron in the shape of your fingers. Huh. You are very strong. Huh. Do you see it? Red, Red, do you see this? Yep. It looks like uh, we might not have to worry about that creature after all. The creature... You begin to see a shadow start to uh, flow over from the very minimal torchlight. And as you move and pat, as it moves and pads, it inches closer and closer to the corner. And then the shadow is gone. With a flash of ethereal smoke, a gaping feline maw roars in your faces, Lewis and Lucius. 
This muscular, six-legged panther form flexes and arches its shoulders as two spiny tentacles rise up from its back and your eyes catch the metallic bronze set of keys dangling around its neck. You judge, now that it is literally right at the, uh, the broken bars, you have maybe a few seconds to react. I swing at it. Alrighty, please make an attack roll. Crit fail. Oh, yes! Beautiful! Yes! <laughs> As all good adventures start. Because <laughs> nice. you swing, and it boom, it goes a little bit uh, right toward its face. You just try to swing right down, and you see this thing's massive maw just go and turn to the side, and it catches um, the, the, uh, the bar in its jaws, just wrenching it from your grasp. It flies, tumbling, uh, uh, end over end, goes clang, 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 uh, rolling to the other, uh, set of bars on the other side. And with that, we're gonna roll some initiative. Huzzah! All right, now in this case, you don't know your bonuses, so you're just gonna roll the d20 and, uh, tell me what you get. Okay, 13 for Ren. 10. Uh, 12 for Lucius. And 12 as well. And 12 as well. Oh, how amazing you're going together. Maybe it, maybe it's friendly. Maybe it just wants to play fetch. Riley, seeing this get ripped from its its grasp, I know you, you gave us your initiative counts, but now we have your secret bonuses. Riley, you're up first. Uh, yeah, then I'll just stab it in the face then. <laughs> All right, so you're going to take it, with, like, uh, hit it with the bar. Uh, roll a d20 for me. 16. Okay, 16 will hit it. Uh, this will be an improvised weapon, so you're going to roll a d4 in this case and add 4 to it. Five. Okay. Uh, these, this sort of sharpened end of this thing slams into this thing's shoulder, and you see smoke start to pour out from the wound as it... It is very angry. Uh, it starts to try to, try to snap at the uh, the bar itself, trying to pull it out of its shoulder. But it it that hurt. It is now completely ignoring Lucius, and it is entirely focused on on Lewis right now. All right, now would it would be uh, Ren's turn. So you see uh, the backside uh, about a, a pretty decent distance, probably a moderate distance away from uh, your bar, uh, your set of bars, is the form of a six-legged panther with tentacles that is currently engaging a glowing human um, <laughs> and someone else who's a bit obscured. Hmm. And I don't recognize this sort of creature, right? Well, make an intelligence check. Oh boy. So with my modifier, Indeed. that brings it up to a, a cool eight. That's a big panther with some legs! <laughs> He's got legs for days! Oh boy, do I feel southern right now. Uh, so I'm gonna try... <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens when I when when I just like synaptic static in my brain there. <laughs> my southern half coming out. All right. Um, what you doing? So I'll try to get out of the cage if possible to get over there to help. Okay, uh, Ren. As you approach uh, the bar, I need you to make a charisma check, please. Well, I do feel charming today. <laughs> That's a that'll be a six on the die. Six on the die, okay. You go to, you know what, I need to get out of here, and you start to press your body, trying to squeeze through, maybe try to bend the bars a little bit. The bars are 
a little beyond your ability. However, you start to notice rivulets of smoke start to pull out from your skin. And the same kinds of smoke begin to, as if the bars themselves were leaking, as your body kind of presses against them. It's odd. You're not sure what to make of it right now. My intentions are to get over there as fast as possible. So, okay. perhaps... Uh, could you please make another charisma check, this time add four to it? Yeah. Um, that's going to be a nine total. Yeah. Nine total? All right. Yeah. You press against the bars, and you feel your, your hand like start to reach out and go, I just need to pass through... And there's a, uh, a sort of sucking sensation. They got kind of sensation. Uh, and uh, Verity, you, you watch um, Ren's form. Uh, well, it sort of disappears. The top half uh, explodes in a shower of, of smoke and sand and disappears from existence. The bottom half is still there. Holy shit. <laughs> Just running. Just like one bottom half running into nothing. Kind of like a oh video game God. character. The bottom half easily sleeks through, like steps between the bars, now without the upper torso, and is currently running around in circles in the middle of the hallway. My headless chicken. <laughs> and that's your turn, buddy. Uh, so, <laughs> Lucius. Okay. Uh, so having failed with the bar, I'm going to try to lunge at this thing's keys, see if I can maybe snatch him, or at least hold on to them. It's an excellent idea. Um, you're going to make a sleight of hand check. Alright. And add six to it, please. Nice. Sixteen total. Sixteen total. Alright. Uh, you immediately reach forward, and you find that your reach is actually a bit longer than you remember it being. Uh, and nimble fingers grasp around the keys, and you can easily hold on to it. Uh, you notice that there's a latch on the back of it, but you'll have to kind of climb onto the creature in order to unlatch it. Oh, I was hoping so. You climb easily. You find your legs uh, gracefully move up the broken bars, and you, um, Riley, you watch uh, as Lucius almost does a flip, uh, landing on the back of this beast and you easily and deftly unclasp the keys, and they are now a full ring of four beautiful brass keys uh, in your hand. The beast, however, whips its head around, uh, one eye kind of scarred and uh, sort of pulsing, uh, is glaring at you, main good. But you have the keys. Verity. Uh, Verity is very freaked out, and she is just going to try and say, like, oh, I got, well, let's see how good this super strength is, and just tries to rip a bar, just, like, clean out. Awesome. Uh, you're going to make an athletics check, uh, and this is a plus 10. Oh, <laughs> that's a 24. All right, just grab onto the already bent bars and just leverage, and, uh, the entire bottom half 
uh, of all the different pegs just lift free as you end up pulling from the crossbar all of the different um, <laughs> spikes and bars straight up into the ceiling. Rocks and uh, loose stone just start to uh, fall free, and you literally hoist it over your head, and it stays there as you've pushed it into the earth above. Uh, and you are now free as you see the spinning, somewhat dancing lower legs of Ren. <laughs> Holy shit! This is the coolest dream I've ever had! Would you like to move? Uh, yeah, she's just gonna, like, run full force, and if she can, just, like, rugby tackle the beast's legs. Alright, uh, this is, the, this is the, this point where you realize, I did this! And I feel like I can do one more thing. Uh, and you recognize that you have multi-attack. So you can attack twice. We'll take it as one attack. And then this is, you go boom, 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 and try to rugby tackle. Uh, so this will be a grapple check. Um, and just like before, it's an athletics check. Please roll a d20 plus 10. 15. You grab onto the creature, but it's six legs. You get the back two and the, the other- <laughs> and then the, uh, the tentacles kind of brace it against the wall as they slide and grind against the, the side of the wall. Uh, but you do get the two back legs. You feel it kind of writhing around, trying to kick itself free. You don't really have it, and you feel yourself being scraped along the stone as it's trying to wriggle you free. Uh, and it, then it comes to its turn. Uh, it has currently on its back a Lucius, and then a... Uh, a round and hefty um, creature on its legs, uh, a torso behind it, not a torso, a lower half behind it, and a glowing firefly of a creature that just stabbed it. So uh, it will do a thing called, it's going to do a death roll. Um, so this is what alligators do, as it will just go and um, tenses its whole body and then spins to the left. And what I need is a dexterity saving throw from uh, Lucius and um, Verity. And this is where I get to tell you things. So Lucius, you're gonna add a plus six to your dexterity save. And Verity, you're gonna add a minus one. Oh boy. Well, that's seven overall from Verity. Okay. 19 for me. Okay. So what ends up happening is this thing death rolls and spins to the side, trying its best to, one, unhinge the thing on its back, and two, free its legs. Uh, <laughs> Verity, you feel your whole body get lifted up and then spun to the side. You spin like a top, uh, <laughs> being launched free of this creature, and you whack, slam into the side of the wall. Uh, and you smash so hard the stone crumbles at your impact but you're not dazed at all, and it didn't hurt much. Uh, meanwhile, <laughs> Lucius, uh, as this thing spins, you feel it start to move, and you literally just walk on it as if it were a log spinning until it goes all the way back around, and you can easily stand on it like a surfboard, perfectly balanced. Aha! And that is its turn, uh, which goes back to Lewis. Stop it again. Okay. Uh, you notice that the, the pipe itself is still sort of embedded in its shoulder, and I, actually, I will say, as it's spun, uh, it bends the um, bends and snaps the bar, so you don't have a bar yet. You okay. still are glowing, however. Do I feel anything with the glowing? Uh, you feel warm and fuzzy. And, I will say, looking down at your knuckles, 
Your knuckles glow very bright. I think I'm partially convinced this is a dream, and we'll just think fiery thoughts and punch it. Okay. And you, boom, you go to punch. Now this, your first real attack roll. I'm going to roll a d20 and add seven. 24. 24. Okay. Roll 2d6 plus four. 11. 11. All right. As you whack, uh, slam across its face, you watch two teeth go pink and just cl and clatter out onto the stone. Um, fresh black blood flows from its face as you look like you've kind of dislocated its jaw. Uh, smoke starts to pour out like this black uh, ethereal smoke uh, from uh, the front of its face as it now turns its attention back toward you. But the keys are gone and your buddy's on its back. Uh, you judge, you can punch again. Oh, then I'm going to punch again. Go for it. <laughs> That's another 24. 2d6 plus 4, please. <laughs> That's an 11 again. Another 11? <laughs> Before it was a 6 and a 1, and now it's 4 and a 3. <laughs> the law of averages complies. Uh, so you go whack on the one side, it turns around, you whack on the other side as this burst of radiance pours across its face. Uh, you watch its jaw actually become dislocated and kind of hang free there. Uh, it's almost like a whine comes out from it. Um, like that of a, almost like a, a wounded puppy, uh, except it has underlying tones of angry growls. It's not pleased, and you see it start to back up from you. I feel a little bad for it. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little. Just a little bit. Um, and, oh yes, where you have punched it, especially in that second punch, you watch a spray of plant matter start to grow and rapidly die along its face. It falls free, but it's like a, like a rose grew upon its face and then the petals fell free. Everything makes a total lot of sense right now. This is perfect. Um, oh my god, we're in an anime. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, this feels like, feels like uh, Princess Mononoke, except he's a god. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of gods, Ren... Um, could you mean you're going to make a charisma saving throw and add eight to it? Okay, this time, 22. Okay, uh, you find yourself tumbling over space and time surrounded by purple smoke. Uh, you, as you swear, you're seeing the ages of magic just flow over you in this constant stream of, of consciousness. And then... With a kind of a strange sensation, almost like a plop and a pop. Uh, <laughs> a wet pop, if you will. Um, you find oh. yourself running around in circles. Oh, there's my lower half. Uh, and you kind of come to a screeching halt uh, right in the middle of this uh, hallway. Um, <laughs> you notice to, immediately to your right, there's a huge dent and crack in the wall in the stone. Uh, and a, a form of verity looking just fine uh, there at the floor. Um, <laughs> uh, another entity, kind of tallish, lanky, um, rather spry, riding on the back of this panther-like creature like a surfboard, and um, another glowing entity, finishing punching it in the face! What do you do? So, am I, uh, just to clarify, am I whole again? 
You are whole again. You look down and, uh... Hang on. Your uh, legs are facing the correct direction. I, I'm glad to see that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess, um... Well, that was an experience. Uh, I'll 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 uh, run forward and try to assist. Uh, is, and I guess my intention is perhaps knowing now that I have some sort of magic to use that magic and hit it, and hit it hard. I understand. Uh, so uh, you reach out and you start to feel again that that strange smoke begin to flow. It flows up from the stones around you. They lift up, and this smoke instead is this deep kind of fluorescent emerald, like a green smoke. Uh, no one else sees this, by the way. It's just you. Um, and as the smoke rises, you notice these green darts of energy start to flow around these various stones. As your intent is made clear, I want to hurt this thing. You cast Magic Missile. Roll 4d4 four plus 4. So that'll be 16 total. <laughs> okay, as the darts fly forward and go poof, 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 slam into the back of this thing, uh, you watch its whole form collapse slightly. Uh, two of its legs kind of give way. This thing is very bloodied uh, as these stones, uh, <laughs> but that poof, 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 these darts drill into this thing's form. It is laying there panting at death's door. Which brings it, I believe, uh, to Lucius. I'm going to try to knock this thing down, I guess. Maybe grapple it. No. I'm just going to get off and step away, seeing that it is close to death. Uh, stepping off of this thing, you are very, very light of foot. And you judge it will only take a bonus action to disengage from this entity. Interesting. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> I guess I try to kick it on my way off or something. Sure thing. Uh, so you're going to make an attack roll and um, uh, add six to it. So that's a 16. 16 total. That will hit. And now you get to learn something else. You know just where to hit this to make it hurt the most. You're going to roll 2d4 plus 3d6 sneak attack. God, okay. It's only 13. Only 13. Only 13. Its life has ended. How would you like to end it? I just kick it, kick one of its legs, and see it topple over, thinking to myself, man, that was a much harsher kick than I intended. Oh. <laughs> uh, as you kick, it, it's like the, the bone from its, its middle shoulder blade kind of pops into its ribs, and you just feel it with one last little... It just falls over and is incapacitated and done. But yeah, it's like, wow, that 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 really did a lot more damage than than it should have. Hey, I don't know who you guys are, but that thing had these keys on it, and I jangled the keys. As you jangle the keys, uh, you notice, so remember that there is one main, main hallway where you guys came from, uh, from the uh, two points, which would be your two cells, and then there's another hallway that bisects that which you're now kind of in the middle of. On one end, there is a steel door that appears closed. On the other end is another set of bars. And as you jingle the keys, you hear a... <laughs> a whistle down at that other cell. 
Oh no, we killed someone's dog. I think there's someone else here with us. Should we go check it out? Should we start growling and stuff? Make it seem like it's still here? No, it's, it looks like he's behind bars too. I think he's another prisoner. Okay. I mean, we all managed to get out. Like, what's his excuse? <laughs> Letting us do all the work for him. <laughs> Regardless, I mean, I my skin didn't change color and texture when I before this. I don't know. Maybe that guy got weaker in this dream. Maybe. Well, let's go check it out. In any case. So as you kind of st- like stand up and kind of collect yourselves, uh, a few a few things to notice, Lewis. Uh, the glowing diminishes. You wonder if it was maybe connected to like a like a threat response or like getting ready to, to fight, um, but you no longer glow. And uh, Lucius, as as you move, even just running your hand along the stone, your hand becomes the color of the stone. Uh, Verity, you stand up, stretch, and look at the the hole, the massive four foot hole in the stone wall of where you impacted. Check your body for injuries, and you're fine. And Ren, on each of your allies, there is a that same magenta smoke that is emanating from each of the uh, five rings on their person. Considering I was the only one to be able to see it before, I'm not going to say anything right now. You, you can introduce yourselves as you like, and if you want that to be an interaction, you can go ahead and do that or hand wave it. I'll, I'll hand wave it personally. That'll be fine. <laughs> Yeah, sounds good. Mm-hmm. We'll say that you introduce yourselves beautifully, and it's just as awkward and chill as we want it to be. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Excellent. Heading down the hallway, uh, as you get closer, the cell looks different than yours. Um, the threshold that uh, wraps around it, uh, makes the archway where the bars are, is furnished, actually. It has filigree that runs up the stone uh, silver and gold and bronze uh, decorated in some way. And you notice a desk and chair inside the cell with parchment and ink. A set of various quills organized discreetly next to a clipboard already prepared with fresh blank paper. About a foot from the bars slumped against the wall is the form of a half-elven woman. Soft, warm features and an elegant dress. Her hair is a deep blonde with streaks of emerald, silver motes in her eyes. Jewelry adorns her pointed ears, her head resting against the stone and tilted toward you. A warm smile has spread across her lips. Curious, considering the four-foot javelin embedded in her sternum, pinning her to the wall. Her hands, now lifeless, are upturned toward the ceiling. Words in florid common tattooed upon her palms. Clip. Board. What do you do? Is she, like, conscious? Make a wisdom check. Um, ten. All right. Minus one. (laughs) Saw that coming. (laughs) <laughs> it's all right. Uh, so you take a look at her, smiling, unmoving. She's probably just sleeping. <laughs> it is important to note, though, there is no blood. All right, so I unlock this door. 
All right. Fiddling through the keys, you know, it judges the third key and it unlocks. And as you unlock it, the bars slide upward into the ceiling. Uh, and you hear some grinding gears up above you and these little clicks and whirs and a, a bit more dust and uh, dirt displaces from above you. But other than that, the uh, the cell is now open. This is a little disconcerting. You know, the woman with a javelin in her chest. I mean, like, my question is, right, did somebody tattoo the words clipboard on her hands or did she tattoo them herself? Because if she did it herself, then that is a very impressive job to get the, the handwriting the same using left and right hands. <laughs> Lovely job. <laughs> this was the right group for this. <laughs> it's, uh, it's definitely unusual, to say the least. But I suppose there's been a lot of unusual things going on today. Do I see a clipboard in this room. There is a clipboard in this room. Yeah, no, I, actually, I was on that line of thought, too. I was going to say, Ren investigates the clipboard. <laughs> it is a blank uh, clipboard, um, sorry, with blank pieces, a blank spread of parchment clipped onto it. It appears like it was prepared for something, um, but it's thus there sitting on the desk. Um, Ren is going to try to move the clipboard into the lady's hands out of curiosity some strange stretch of logic okay did anyone else have this idea as well absolutely mm, yeah ren you reach over and take the clipboard it's a it's like i got a pressed kind of cardboardy kind of feel and you just gently place it even right before you place it her right her uh, left hand snatches it out of your hands just boom like someone palming a dodgeball getting thrown at their face just <laughs> Uh, it actually displaces some dust around the the body as uh, her head snaps to you. The smile widens and life comes back to the eyes and you hear a, Oh, hello there, my dears, and welcome to your exam. So Ren's going to scream ah! internally. <laughs> yeah. Verity's going to scream out loud because she was probably like leaning in close to look at this woman. <laughs> Perfect. Hey. You know you got a javelin in your chest, lady? Oh, right, yes. Oh, this old rusted thing. I, uh, You can blame the quartermaster, Kufa, for that. Uh, it doesn't like it when I wander around or it's... talk back or talk at all. Too bad for him. My master has contingencies. And she pats the clipboard as she says this. Do you need to come with us and escape? Oh, no, no, no. I'm here. I'm, I'm working. This is my job. Can't abandon things on the on the clock, can ya? Blink twice if you're a prisoner. <laughs> she stares at you unblinking. Okay. Right, right. No time to lose. I'm Alesa Evergreen. Uh and uh and uh, what if you step forward and we can just get on with this whole thing, shall we? Uh and as she says this, there's another rumble in the stone above you as something shifts. And it seems louder than before. Uh, with a flick of her hand, you notice one of the quills sprout these little wings, like firefly or dragonfly wings. And like it, as it buzzes, it it lifts up from the table and zips to her hand. And she starts to dab the edges and uh, sketch something vigorously. So I look at my my newly found comrades, and I'll say, "So which one of you guys is going first? If no one volunteers, uh, this I mean... will." <laughs> I guess I can. I'm not really. What are we? What are we being tested on here? 
Well, that's a fine little question. Uh, well, you know, it's more of like a search and rescue, if you will. Um, don't worry, you don't have to rescue me. As she like bats her eyelashes for uh, a moment and just flutters her hair, which again is is would be very pretty and alluring, but there is a four foot javelin in her chest. As she vigorously sketches, uh, you notice bits of uh, glitter are kind of flying off of the quill. After a little while, she stops that, lets the quill float next to her, buzzing with its wings, and starts to kind of paw at the, the, the parchment until you see her pull into it as if, as if her hand is reaching into the parchment itself like it was liquid. And she yanks from it a deck of cards. Hmm. Right, uh, so tested, right, right, right. So, um, uh, well, we've all been dealt an interesting deck, I'm sure. Uh, some of us don't even know what's going on. And, and she kind of winks at Verity and then yeah. looks, um, looks Ren up and down and sort of winces and <laughs> it's, oof, whew. Um, and narrow my eyes, like, what's that supposed to mean? Uh, she looks at, at Riley and smiles warmly. Uh, and then kind of inclines her head uh, very respectfully toward Lucius. Well, this is going to be mighty interesting. Anyway, who's first? I need to know your name. And uh, you're just going to pull from this mundane deck. So it's not like a written exam. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> when have you ever done written exams? Written exams are boring. We have to deal with standard uh, testing and standardization. No differentiation of any type. The data's pretty wrong anyway. Oh, thank the Lord. I'm terrible at standardized testing. All right, I'll go. So Verity steps up. And Verity, uh, as she presents this deck to you, you notice it, it shuffles itself uh, as she holds it in her palm. Uh, and it, it does so very rapidly, almost like a, a bunch of ants, like bursting out and then reshuffling themselves into a pile. That's a weird thing to say, but it's kind of uh, disconcerting. Um, but as you draw from the deck, could you please roll a d10? Okay. Two. All right. The, the card you pull up, you notice almost like an ink blot test. It's just this sea of ink, and it solidifies into an outstretched hand. Oh, that's wonderful. That's going to make things a lot easier for you. Um, uh, just make sure to you, you just bind it. You're going to crumple it up into your hands when you're ready to use it, okay? And she kind of shoes you away. Wait, you use it? I... Okay. Oh, oh, okay. And what was her name, dearie? Verity. Oh, right, right, right. Okay, so you've got the hand... Um, I hope you can look forward to becoming proficient with anything. Oh, I, okay, I will. Wonderful, wonderful. You'll be just fine. Don't worry about a thing. It's going to be lovely. Anyway, uh, who's next? I suppose I'll go next. Right, right. What's your name there? Lucius. Oh, sure it is. <laughs> and she uh, shuffles the deck once more. And uh, Lucius, could you roll a D8, please? The deck seems to be getting smaller. Two. All right. Uh, your card, the inkblot, uh, swells and turns into a glass, empty potion bottle. Oh, that'll be most helpful for you. Just make sure you only drink it when you need it. Wow. Okay. That's not ambiguous at all. I appreciate you. 
Oh, not at all, not at all. Oh, don't worry, the longer you have these, the more clear it all become. But we got no time to lose. And as she says that, there's another... <laughs> and the stone above you kind of shifts again as a, as a literal rock uh, piece of the ceiling falls free, smashing the desk in twain right next to Ren. Ren's really glad he wasn't standing very close to the desk. <laughs> <laughs> all right, who's next? Who's next? All right, then. So, what's your name? Lewis. Lewis, Lewis. Oh, of course it is. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. And she, like, looks at you with this very strange expression of, of course, right. That's what you tell everyone. Uh, and pulls up a, a deck of six cards. Could you roll a d6, please? Four. All right. I think Lewis is nervous and doesn't know why. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lewis, the, uh, the card you pull... Uh, it coalesces into a crown, jeweled and golden. Oh, very appropriate for someone of your stature. Uh, might help with uh, any time you want to talk to the ladies, or the men, or the anything, really. Anyway, shoo-shoo. Yeah, she shuffles the deck once more, and there are now four cards. Well, I guess that's that's uh, just one left now. Uh, Ren is, is feeling rather strange about this whole scenario. Uh, not just because it's just very improbable, uh, but also because of the strange compulsion he has to listen to this test administrator person. And so <laughs> he just he goes up and, you know, picks a card. Yep. With hesitation. Of course. Okay, okay, okay. Well, uh, what's your name there? Ren. Of course it is. Well, Mr. Wren, or Miss Wren, I'm not really sure anymore. Uh, go ahead. Roll D4, please. Right. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> yeah, Wren's going to pull out his D4. <laughs> right. right, yes, of course. <laughs> That'll be a one. A one. All righty. Uh, your card coalesces into an eye. And as it, you look at it, it blinks at you. Oh, that's going to be very nice. Uh, I hope you're a very insightful creature. That'll help a bunch uh, moving forward. Okay, and she uh, she shuffles the deck. It becomes three cards, then two, then one, then none. And she picks back up the clipboard. So you'll be wanting to know what your assignment is, I assume. Um, and it's, it's pretty simple, really. Uh, get through that door, and she points across the other end of the hallway where is that, that big steel door is that's currently closed. And um, and then she sobers completely. Save him. Please. This time. Save him. And then she shouts upward toward the shaking ceiling. Alright! Next wave ready! Hit the switch! And for all that sparkly joy, it goes back to that sober look, and she turns only to Verity. For what it's worth, I had planned for you to save him. I hope you still can. But if, if you don't, don't cry this time, all right? Nothing ever goes as planned. And as the rumbling grows, she quietly sets the clipboard down next to her, and life leaves her eyes once more. 
The portcullis at the far end of this last path rises suddenly with a with a heavy iron toe, and dust shifts with stone in the ceiling above. You watch as four slabs of thick stone begin to descend in that last hallway, threatening to block your escape. And now, everybody, we're going to take some time and uh, welcome over to Adamus's stylish switch corner. And I'm joined uh, by uh, Jazz. Me, Jasmine. Hello. Hello. Um, it is wonderful to be here with you, Adamus. It's wonderful to be here as, with you as well. And uh, for some people, if you are a regular Misadventurers listener, you might be thinking, like, who is this guy? Well, you probably won't be because you've been listening to the episode so far. So I'd hope you've at least got some answers there. Uh, but this is Adamus. And Adamus today is uh, joining me for our Switch series episode with his podcast, Dungeon Master Shower Thoughts. Um, Adamus, why don't you tell the Misadventurers listeners a little bit about uh, your podcast, what it's all about? Oh, certainly. So uh, the DM Shower Thoughts is really a, is a podcast where we discuss the concepts and, and um, mechanics around 5th edition and other tabletop scenarios, but it goes under the, the major mission of becoming your best self through gaming. So myself and my other hosts, we are focusing on uh, the lessons you learn from playing these games and the ways to make a, a strong social contract at the table and when you value the experience of everyone at the table, what gives way in those mechanics and how do you balance them? And when, when is it appropriate for homebrew and how to teach new players? And it's what it's all about, the joy of playing together instead of being like rules lawyers about everything or arguing little bits because the main mission is have a good time at the table and everyone's table is different. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's so interesting to discuss these things because like these kind of situations everyone's going to have a different experience with it as well um what's going to be enjoyable at the one at the table for one person is always going to be different and i think i feel like you really see that with all the other podcasts in the darkmore podcast network i feel like the experience that you get at the table at misadventurers versus playing out of character versus how friends roll versus advantage versus even just like a switch series episode like the vibe you get at a table is so different every time. And uh, like we we come from a lot of different uh, backgrounds. I'm a music teacher and I've been DMing professionally for about four years. And then I have in the in the team, we have a martial arts instructor. We have a, a creative writer and other martial arts instructors. We have all these different uh, teaching backgrounds. And then it's just joyful to play. Uh, so yeah. just jumping into a switch series or jumping into another game or running something else, every single table will be different. And every single you could have the same players, but if they have different yeah. characters, the table's different. Yeah. This place has been very uh, accepting and mm. just in just being patient and not making any, any major assumptions or sweeping assumptions about how people are going to run the game. They're just going to wait and yeah. see and we're going to enjoy it yeah and i think i personally like i know we're gonna we'll get into a little bit more later but we are gonna have another episode talking a bit more in depth about how it was playing the game but 
a very quick note for me it was something like a tabletop experience that I'd never really had before it was different from a lot of every any other games that I had played and I found it so refreshing and enjoyable to have that kind of different experience and and to play with people who I had played with before but in a completely different way and have them have a different presence at the table it's uh, so much fun I mean, stop me if I'm wrong. It might be just because I've recently also become a teacher. And obviously you were saying all of you guys are teachers in some capacity. Um, I feel like something that comes along with learning to teach a lot is being reflective of your practice, always being reflective of what you're doing and the impact that it has. Um, and I do think that really uh, applies really well within your podcast to looking at tabletop gaming looking at that reflective practice what went well what was enjoyable what maybe wasn't enjoyable what worked better than others and some of us look at it from uh like i had to look at it as being part of a larger business that business unfortunately shuttered mm. its its doors but when you were looking at quality uh mm -hmm. like the, the, the regular quality of experience like when you go to disney world there's a certain level of quality for from every employee that they try to have yeah. so you have a certain expectation so when we i was running things professionally there had to be a, an like an industry standard that was there but it was never it was always human first it had to be definitely because... <laughs> i think as well you know that it there's no one formula or algorithm for here is everything that you need to make a successful tabletop experience tick <laughs> you've got um this amount of action and this percentage of role play and because it is it's different for every person it's different for every table and it's about being able to kind of like recognize and adapt to that we had a really interesting uh um conversation one of our our coming up podcast episodes trying to reflect on what it is like what it what type of players uh you want at the table for a new gm mm. and the end result was uh like we, we were thinking Oh, people want a list. They want, oh, you want this type of player, this like reactive versus proactive. And it's really, you want someone, you want people at the table that are going to be patient with you. Engaged. And they, yeah. And they buy into the, the world that in the experience that you're in, they buy into the cooperative aspect. They're not going to be antagonistic to you as a human being. Yeah. I think that's a really interesting thing as well, because um, my, Listeners of the Misadventurers will know this, but my very first tabletop, uh, my very first GMing experience was with a Switch series episode um, <laughs> that I was running that was released on the How Friends Roll uh, feed. Um, and it was the first campaign I'd ever run by, well, the first, you know, one shot I'd ever run by myself. And I created and written it myself. And it was the most nerve-wracking experience of my life um, and oh, no. it was also the first episode of anything that i had completely edited by myself um oh buddy so it was really really in at the deep end there but i was just so lucky like you say to have these players at the table despite sully at one point uh who is the uh gm and host of how friends roll and fun but why which are both on the network um, d despite him taking a few liberties of finally being able to be a player and spending 15 minutes going through what was in his bag of holding. Apart from that, everyone <laughs> was very, just so cooperative and supportive and, you know, like, yeah, patient and engaged, which was, made the experience so much less 
terrifying than it, <laughs> it was at first. What we find, especially uh, with with young, like not not young GMs, like new GMs, is like we when you play, there's is this open canvas kind of ordeal that some of the, mm-hmm. one of the scariest things you can have is okay, just do anything, yeah. <laughs> and you get like a choice paralysis. Yeah. But if you have players who are going to be patient and like cooperative with you, and you kind of put it out at the front, I think that was the other thing we came to was. Hey guys, I'm learning the game, uh, mm. and it might get a little silly sometimes. Um, I want to try and roll with your creative ideas, even if it may not make logical sense. Uh, and uh, just you know, work with me. And if you put that out of the front, then you're sort of setting up the expectations. And you could even say, and that might change, and yeah. that's fine. <laughs> um, but by setting that up. You, and having players that are going to be patient with it, it becomes so much more of an organic storytelling experience. And by doing that, a new GM, they themselves will be very reflective. We're we're always so um, hypersensitive to what what we did and how it, how it worked. <laughs> we're going to think about mm-hmm. it. We don't need the players to make us feel like garbage. Yeah, <laughs> but. We'll will better reflect by having a positive experience overall. Definitely, um, and I think that is actually quite a nice little segue, almost for any DM shower thoughts listeners. If you are listening to this, have come over to the Misadventurers feed to listen to this, and you've never listened to the Misadventurers before, um, I'd like to tell you a little bit about our show. And one of the things that I really love about our show is the fact that we have been as we've gone along reflective, we've changed the format of the show. We've changed the way we do certain things or the way we do certain house rules, depending on what works for us. And there's always a very open communication between uh, us, the players, myself, um, Elle, Ella and Emily um, and <laughs> our DM, Jim. So, yeah, so we are more than happy to tell Jim when we think he's wrong, but also if he does something that we enjoy. Um, and it really makes for a, it's a really collaborative, communicative table. Um, and I think it obviously helps that before anything, before being podcast members, we are friends. Um, and we're doing this because we want to have an enjoyable D&D experience together. And the podcast is kind of a a side effect of that. But when it comes to the story itself of The Misadventurers, uh, we are a folklore mystery tour. Um, We bounce around the world exploring real world folklore in a fantasy setting. Myself, I play a barbarian called Gashburz. We have Ella, who plays a uh, high elf warlock called Delilah. We've got Sam who plays a all-round good boy human cleric called Sam. Sorry, Emily plays the all-round good boy human cleric called Sam. Um, And Elle who plays our newest member uh, who has been with us for a while now, a uh, ranger, um, an elven ranger called Isteth. Um, And we have a very good time together. It's a very light-hearted uh game we explore the world we explore folklore and mystery but with real focus on like the people that we're meeting and the relationships we're making along the way um it's very role play heavy yeah 
I think that's a pretty good summary of, of who we are as people. Um, if you are just coming over to The Misadventurers for the first time, uh, we have just put out an announcement that we won't be releasing any new episodes for the immediate future. And that is because various personal and uh, kind of general situations for all of us in The Misadventurers has just meant that recording new episodes is just unfortunately not feasible right now. However, we are not going anywhere. Um, we'll get in a second, we'll get into the, uh, the Switch series episodes that we'll have coming up. But we are looking to, once things are a little bit easier on all accounts, get back into recording, get back into producing and releasing episodes as soon as we can. But it's unfortunately just not something that we have the capability to do right now. But you have a very extensive library already. We do so. have a very extensive library. <laughs> we have a few different things. We've got um, our, obviously our main episodes going all the way back. We have an arc where we explore London. We have an arc where we explore <laughs> Ireland or Asia, as it, its old timey name was. <laughs> <laughs> we have a current arc exploring uh, the Basque country or Ilshkadi. Um in which you'll hear myself and Elle nerding out a lot about our Basque country knowledge. Uh, we have some episodes in between, which are usually where we level up and have quite a bit of uh, role play, which is our Shonda Color Days episodes. We also have quite a lot of bonus content out there. Um, we do some random role episodes where we just got together and rolled new characters and came up with... Um, stories for them based on the random rolling mechanics in Xanathar's Guide. Um, oh, that's really fun. Which, yeah, I, that was so fun. Um, and we also have some Myth Adventurers episodes because Jim does so much research into mythology and obviously not all of it can go into the story itself. Um, so we like to give Jim a little space to nerd out about, uh, about all the mythology he's researched. Um, so yeah, we've got a whole lot of content out there for you to listen to. And who knows, by the time you're all caught up, maybe we will be at a point where we can produce episodes again. But for that kind of information, uh, another brilliant segue. <laughs> for that kind of information, you can check out our social medias. Uh, as listeners of The Misadventurers will know, you can find us on Twitter at the Ms. Adventurers, that's M-S Adventurers on Twitter. Um, but we are most active on the Darkmoor Podcast Network Discord. You can find links to that on the Darkmoor Podcast uh, website, darkmoorpodcast.com, um, and also on our Twitter. Uh, Adamus, where can Ms. Adventurers listeners find more from DM Shower Thoughts? Uh, you can find the DM Shower Thoughts podcast over on Podbean and iTunes and now recently Spotify. If you just search for Woo. the DM Shower Thoughts, uh, we have a YouTube channel where we try to put out videos here and there. Where since we have a team of three people, we're starting to rotate who produces videos. And then also I run a blog called the GM's Corner, which ha now has segments uh, from the other hosts of the podcast. But it is called GM's Corner over at a place called Adamus Drake Productions. Dot com and you'll find a whole bunch of like short fictions about the campaigns and custom content and dice and miniatures and all those things but that's where the 
the blog exists where you can read more from from us. Oh, and you can also find our, our Facebook page, uh, uh, DM Shower Thoughts. <laughs> Amazing. We used to have a Facebook page as well and an Instagram. We technically still do, but we don't update those very often. Um, we essentially found ourselves working more and more towards the uh, Dark Small Podcast Discord. It's great. It's how we kind of keep in touch with you. We, we, we chat on there. Um, mm-hmm. And also all of our listeners and the listeners of the other Darkmoor podcast shows, um, which are, as I mentioned earlier, Advantage, How Friends Roll, Fun But Why, and uh, Playing Out of Character. And, you know, we can we have a community areas there where people like to organize games. People like to promote their own uh, homebrews. There's areas to share artwork. It's a really lovely community space. Um, that I really enjoy being a part of. So far, just to be sort of invited into it and to see the breadth of content available for this mm. community has been, well, one, truly inspiring, uh, and two, like kind of humbling. Um, <laughs> when we're uh, the thing that we've been struggling with is our marketing, and to see mm. um, that, I mean, I know that there's an audience for everything that we put out. But it's finding that audience inside the many niches that exist in our mm-hmm. grand human mindscape. Yeah. And we were thinking, oh, we need an Instagram account. We need a Twitter account. We need a Tumblr. We need this. We need that in order to reach our people when really you could just stumble upon them and then you just stay where they are. And that's all you really needed. Yeah, it is. It's really special as well to be, you know, obviously we can ask for feedback and involvement from the other social media sites and stuff, but it is really great to just be able to like i think recent episodes um there was one that was uh a lot longer than we thought it was going to be um and i wasn't sure exactly how we wanted to release it so i asked on the discord i said how would you guys like this do you want two shorter episodes or do you want one longer episode and they gave me the feedback and that's how we decided how we were going to release the episodes at that point whether they wanted to wait a little bit longer or have a shorter episode there and then and I think it really does, again, build into that when you've got a podcast and it's a tabletop podcast, it's not then just about the GM and the players having a good time at the table. It's about mm-hmm. the listeners having a good time at the table as well. And it's really amazing to be able to get that immediate feedback and uh, conversation about what the listeners are enjoying when it comes to being a part of that tabletop experience. I think one of the greatest lessons we were able to take away from starting a podcast, it was it used to be just myself and John, who's the the martial arts instructor. And then he was GMing at the time. And then now we've added on Ian, uh, who's sort of like the young GM in our crew. Uh, but understanding that when we're we're recording ourselves, there is a an extra practice of trying to think more about what we're saying. The more we communicate, we can think we can just think more or if it, we really said something that was very strange we can go back and maybe say it again maybe we can yeah. say it a little better and that adds an extra layer of self-reflection and like a self-professionalism because you're producing something for other people to also listen to so you're listening to yourself going does this have value did can i say <laughs> that better ooh i changed yeah. my mind can we, you know what i changed my mind and being okay with doing that yeah, absolutely. 
Now, I'm sure everyone is ready and raring to get back into the adventure. Uh, so before we do, Adamus, I've got a quick question for you. Uh, as, as a DM, do you like dice? I love dice. Do you like uh, dice accessories, such as dice bags and dice trays? I find them very, very helpful because then I don't throw them on the floor. And how would you feel about having access to high-quality, beautiful dice with very low-priced international shipping and a 10% discount? I would be ecstatic. <laughs> well, I've got some good news for you then, because if you <clears throat> head over to dndice, that's the letters, dndice.co.uk, and enter the promo code MISADVENTURE at checkout, or head over to dndice.co.uk slash misadventure, you can get 10% off your next order or any order you make. They have beautiful dice from acrylic dice to metal dice. They even have a, oh, I think it's about 300 pounds, but it's a beautiful set of Damascus steel dice. Oh um, <laughs> they are absolutely beautiful. And one day I will justify buying them. Um, <laughs> but they will be that bit more affordable with a 10% off, 10 off at the checkout. They really have beautiful, beautiful dice. I love them. I have quite a few sets. Um, I'm going to check that out after this. Yeah, genuinely do. And I love their dice trays as well. Um, everything they do is high quality, beautiful designs. Um, so you can check them out at dndice.co.uk and put in the offer code MISADVENTURE, all caps, at checkout for 10% off. That is splendid. And on that beautiful high note, I <laughs> think we should let everyone get back to the misadventure. What do you think? I think that'd be splendid. Oh, boy. Yeah, let's get right back into it. <laughs> so... I think Verity is, she's usually very, very cheerful and kind of carefree, but the way that she was just spoken to, she feels actually very like shaken a bit and serious and it makes her feel quite like alert. So the second she kind of sees the stones coming down, uh, kind of like this wave of panic goes through her that she might somehow mess this up. Um, so she's gonna run and try and hold up the stone that would block off their path. See if she can just like, yeah, yeah no, keep it from coming down or slow it. Okay, so Verity, boom, uh, takes off uh, with a this determined uh, dash. And you notice, uh, Verity, your speed is uh, 40 as you charge forward. Oh, it's good for my little halfling legs. Yes, indeed. Um, but as you move, you swear you can hear like this heavy clanging uh, in through your whole body. It sounds normal to you, but the rest of you hear a clang, 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 clang as uh, uh, as Verity dashes forward and you orient yourself above uh, the first gate, which is pretty slow at this point. You can see it's getting faster and you reach up to grab the edges of, of the stone and you feel it start to come down on you. Make an athletics check, please. Plus 10. Oh, oh. that's a nat 20, so a 30 overall. 
Awesome. <laughs> uh, as you reach up and grab, uh, you expect to feel that muscular strain, and instead, this is less an act of strength and more an act of structure. You stand there, and it just <laughs> stops from where you're holding it. You can hear grinding gears up above you, and the ping, 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 as things are trying to move against you, and they just stop as they move against you you uh you are you have held the door the other two uh descending slabs continue uh their slow descent but this one is stopped and the rest of you can see that that uh that door has been stopped there are two others that you need to pass let's go let's go ren's gonna keep his eyes open as he runs forward um in case there's anything else of note as he passes by in a strange place okay uh, so, Ren, you dash forward. You easily can dive underneath uh, the first one, but you see the next one, uh, about 20 feet from you, is rapidly descending now. Uh, I would definitely like to try and uh, stop it. <laughs> okay. So, you're going to reach out and try to uh, stop it or make it go away. Uh, and I need you to make a... Uh, is a charisma check, but it's essentially a spell attack. So you're going to roll this and add plus eight to it. How does 12 suit you? Okay. You reach out and you can see it's coming down so quickly. I, you're not sure if you can actually, especially with the bars, I can't stop it. So wait a minute. And you see, can see the slit below the stone where it would kind of lock in. And instead you focus on that. What if it didn't go there? What if it went somewhere else? And you all hear this kind of tear, as if it were tearing paper. And this arc of energy spills across this indentation in the stone where the, the slab would go. And you see leaking out of it is this deep purple um, smoke. And beyond it, it's like a, a portal was opened. And you can see into the astral sea as the door slams down and through as you plane shift it into another space. I like it. Uh, Lewis and Lucius, what are you doing? Yeah, just trying to run as fast as I possibly can through here. Certainly. So Lucius, your speed is 40. Uh, you easily and deftly slide underneath the one uh, being held by Verity, easily hop over the strange plane-shifted whateverness, uh, and uh, if you're going to try and slide through the next two to get through the door, uh, <laughs> um, I need you to make a uh, dexterity, oh, better yet, make an acrobatics check. Oh, all right. Which I think you have expertise in. So it's plus 11. Oh, <laughs> nice. So 22. All right. As you easily slide on, on the uh, edges of the stone and uh, almost at the point where you're getting <laughs> almost like you're out of control, but then you just put your hands down and you not only you don't drag to a stop, you just stop. Uh, now at the portcullis where the door is open, you are through both of the other doors um, and you can see that there are these strange little spines uh like little hairs um on all of your fingers 
and legs and arms and skin. Anyway, you're stopped and you're through. All right. Oh. Uh, Lewis, what are you doing? I'm running. I was going to say keep an eye out for anyone like trips or anything, but guess I'm last. Lewis, uh, you start charging forward, and Lewis, you notice you are very fleet of foot. Your speed is 50. <laughs> As you start to boom, 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 and it is fast. You are picking up speed. And uh, even as um, Lucius has glided underneath, the uh, second door has been taken care of. The first door is easily held at bay by Verity. The third one, you notice, is mere feet, like a two feet, one foot, as you're rapidly getting closer and closer to it, as it slams down shut in front of you going to make an attack roll against the door. Can you roll a d20 and add 7 to it? As you realize it's very comfortable for you to charge. Uh, 19. As you feel that same glow, that like radiance, but this time it seems to flow up toward your head? Like your forehead in yes. specifically. <laughs> and from your forehead a singular point begins to grow outward like a golden horn. As you kind of tuck instinctually into a, um, a football uh, smash and just <laughs> slam through the, the uh, third door, rocks fly everywhere as you <laughs> easily punch through and carry that momentum into the second one. Uh, <laughs> can you roll another attack roll for the second door? <laughs> as it is already slammed down. And Lucius, oh. you see it close before your your allies, and then. Do you think all the, this momentum and fairness is maybe giving me advantage? Uh, yes, you have advantage on this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez, I did worse. Oh, Twelve. Twelve. <laughs> yep, that's okay. with the seven. In this case, this is where we have to deal damage. Um, so. <laughs> You're going to roll 3d8 piercing damage because you're charging. Uh, eight total. Eight total, okay. So, Lucius, as you, as you have slid through and you watch uh, <laughs> um, Lewis start to pick up speed, that same glowing, like, golden radiance start to form at his head. Boom, boom! The other two door, like, walls slam down. And for a moment... You're all alone, and then you hear the breaking of stone on the other side of the other wall, and then a something hits the other end, and a crack forms in the, the wall closest to you. And poking out of it appears to be a little, well, the tip, just the tip, of a horn. Huh. We swing back to Verity now. As you hear more <laughs> and a literal gear busts out of the wall next to you as it is breaking, uh, trying to push against you, and you're just fine. <laughs> um, if everyone's gone past me, then I'm going to run down the rest of the hall. Okay. Um, do I have enough movement to get to the last one? You definitely do, yes. Um, you let go, and this thing, you see sparks now flying out of the sides of it as it tries to finish its job and stops a good, grinds to a halt, and then sits off kilter 
about a foot from its reaching its destination anyway. Uh, but you just let it go and turn and run. Um, you run right past Ren, uh, who is veritably smoking at the moment. Huh. Strange. Huh. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's 420 somewhere. Uh, and, oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> You barrel your way uh, through the hole left by by Lewis. Yeah, I was gonna say. I think I see Lewis. I don't, obviously don't see the horn, but I see Lewis head first into the door. Yeah. Um, and just go. That looks like fun. Um, and <laughs> she's just gonna yeah, like brace herself and run head first and try and just smash on through. You got it. You're gonna make a slam attack against the wall. Uh, roll a d20 and add 8. Uh, that is a 16 plus 8, 24. Uh, it is 2d8 plus 5 bludgeoning. <laughs> uh, 15. Okay. Uh, so, Lewis, as you you kind of you feel your head sort of stuck in the stone here. But then you hear a, that looks like fun! And... <laughs> uh, and without any real warning, you are free uh, but also being launched ahead uh by the explosion of stone <laughs> as uh, as verity also <laughs> smashes through the stone and the wall crumbles before you and you're all well most of you there uh with two well three destroyed walls one completely unable to finish its job and hating its life it hates adulting uh a smoking wren whose eyes have turned to white sand and actually leak crystalline sand. And then the rest of you gather at the portcullis at the, the opening. Uh, Ren, you good over there? I don't, I don't feel any different, do I? You feel really good, actually. You feel powerful. You feel alive. And then you can hear this sort of sound, not a hissing, just... Like something's pouring, and you look down to see that pouring from your face is kind of a white, glassy sand. It actually is pouring out of you. Well, I feel pretty good, uh, but I'm not sure this is this is something to feel good about. Uh, <laughs> I guess Ren's gonna try and join them, uh, so he's gonna run on over as well, and hopefully the sand will stop. Stop falling out of me. Oh, yeah. Uh, as you run, uh, yep, you feel really, really good. And the rest of you see Ren kind of jog forward uh, back to all of you. The sand that's pouring out of his eyes is swirling around him. And as he runs, you notice his feet almost sink into the stone. And then with, with about 10 feet from you, his left foot goes all the way into the stone, like it just passed through up to the knee. He doesn't stumble. He just keeps moving, but it's like a reverse escalator. And he just runs into the stone and below you out of sight. Jeez. Um, oh, dear. What? Well, shit. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Did we lose one? I mean... I know that there's a lot of strange thing that's happening, you know, like with the sand and you've grown a horn now, but I have to say that was unexpected. Yeah. 
Yeah. As Ren is like slowly disappearing into the floor, that he's like, hey, are you guys getting taller? And then he just disappears. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and Lewis, you do notice that with a with a very sharp ping, the um brace, the ring around your neck breaks. And you now can feel on your forehead is a golden horn. Your hair has changed to a long mane of silver. Ren, <laughs> you find yourself as if you're floating through stone. You can hear the talk of your allies above you, and you look up and you can see through the floor this strange kind of white and black blurry painting of all of them as you continue to pass underneath them. I Well, I'll definitely try to call out to them. The rest of you hear nothing. <laughs> All right, with no response, I'll look around me as well. Uh, so Ren, up ahead of you, past the portcullis, uh, you see a very large chamber, and you can see other forms in it. Two very lumbering uh, creatures. Hard to tell color in all of this. Uh, but they appear to be wearing kind of shredded pants or shirtless, hunched in their form, very muscular, but have these pointed elbows and sloped, pointed chins, as if they were sculpted out of stone almost. But they seem to have flesh and bone to them. And as you look at them, you can see a skeleton. You can see through them. And uh, in the center of this chamber, there is a, a pedestal uh, that's uh, about three feet long and a foot high. And there's a small creature on it. They appear to be, they're lying completely still. And another much larger creature is standing over them. You can see if this thing has ears and fur, very long drapes of cloth, and is holding a dagger. Strangely, you can see its hands. They look backwards. Back to the others. What the? Hey, uh... Your face changed. I don't know how to put that any other way. And also hair. It's very nice. Has my hair changed? Is it blue? <gasps> uh, and you reach up, uh, Verity, and touch your hair. And as you touch it, uh, flow your hands through it. And your hands come back with tufts of hair in your hands. Oh, no. And you start checking uh, it, and your hair is rapidly falling out. I think oh, your hair is falling out, is what's uh, happening. My hair, my beautiful hair! Is my face okay? What's happening? You reach up and touch your own face. It doesn't feel like skin. It's kind of rough, uh, hardened in a way. Also, you notice your vision sort of double, and then triple, and then quadruple. It's, it's really hard to take in for a moment, and you hear also a ping as the uh, ring around your neck breaks. You start to see more things on your fingers of spines growing kind of thick and yellow, tiny, but rough uh, along your skin and your fingers. And you reach up over your face to find a set of antenna protruding out from your forehead and kind of flicking around. Oh, I don't like this. I don't like this at all. Also, <laughs> uh, Lewis, uh, you can see 
um, Lucius's back, uh, lower back to be exact, has its musculature is kind of pressing tightly against his armor. There's a rather large lump there. And as you watch it, it flexes, like it presses out from underneath the armor. Uh, um, uh, uh. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, Lucius, you can feel a strange extra bit of musculature at your lower back. Oh, like you can feel something's there. And as you think about it, there's a <laughs> ripping and tearing sound. That's uh, <laughs> uh, as ripping out from underneath the armor as if the armor itself were like a facade of bed sheets it just tears free <laughs> another set of insect like arms spill out from the lower back of Lucius what? they are long oh and gosh. tan <laughs> I'm freaking everybody out um <laughs> Uh, and they they have kind of chitinous armor to them, and these same long spines that uh, flow out from them. Um, and as that happens, the ones on Lucius's wrists also break, and you now see these four insect-like arms hanging off of, of uh, Lucius's body. Yeah, I'm sure you're freaking the hell out. Yeah, um, Lucius. <laughs> Yeah, I feel it. I don't know what's going what? yeah. on. Mm. Mm-hmm. This is... I don't... I... Am I still I mean... pretty? Tell me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, very much. Thank you for lying. Make a deception check. <laughs> Verity, as you're kind of... My head. <laughs> and you're going, my hair, my hair. Uh, you feel something dislodge in your neck. Oh, God. And um, all of you see uh, Verity lift up her head. It just disconnects from her body. <laughs> no blood, no no muscles, in fact. Just a head. Kind of comes off. And she's now holding it above her head. Oh, Verity, you grow a good two feet, you think. At least your vision I, does. Huh. Hmm. Am I taller? I feel taller. Your head is detached from your body. Ah. Uh, <laughs> you see. Uh, uh, can, I, can I reattach it? Uh, you go, you lower it down gently, and you hear a blink. <laughs> Oh and it, it's, it settles back inside, and yeah, it reattaches just fine. Oh my god, wait. I tried to do the same with, like, an arm. Yeah, so uh, you reach onto your wrist, and you just turn, and uh, it goes, and uh, the arm disconnects at the elbow. That's convenient, I guess. Also, the ones on your wrists break apart, and you now see that you are holding a gauntlet. Oh. An empty gauntlet huh um I hmm I think I preferred it when I had the bracelets on and had hair and I couldn't take my body apart where's Ren is Ren dead 
I think our best assumption is that he's dead. He melted into the floor, and he's no longer with us. Okay, but also, like, you know, you've got extra arms, and I can take my head off my body, so I don't know that melting into the floor is, is you know, I when you remove a head, technically you probably should die. I mean, you've got a point there. Uh, and as you're talking, the uh, the ones on your ankles also break apart. And it, it finally, the illusion magic breaks. What you see before you, um, as, you're, as you're talking about this, you now look down uh, Verity and see beautiful, full plate mail covers you from head to toe. You feel still feel like you have eyes and can kind of move around, but your vision actually clouds itself a bit. And you can now look at everyone in heat signatures. And as they step and speak, it's like waves of sound come off of them, like echolocation. Huh. Lucius, you are now at least a foot taller than you used to be as you feel yourself stretch and move. And you look down to see that your knees are backwards. <laughs> and you have insect-like feet that kind of branch out. And that same chitinous armor that rolls up your legs. Nothing but a, a loincloth to cover uh, whatever's down there. And a set of four arms looking through a sort of emerald spectral vision. Your throat is really sore. And as you try to speak, it kind of comes out as at first. And then, Lewis, you have a beautiful silver mane and a horned protrusion uh, at the front of your head. And you feel yourself kind of pitch forward. Not as if you're sick, but just like, man, I've been standing on my back legs way too long as you slam down and look down at your legs to see that they are hooves. <laughs> they sure are. <laughs> as you now see before you a unicorn. Like full unicorn or unicorn center? Full unicorn. Oh, shit. Oh, I pose gloriously. <laughs> <laughs> just kind of flick your hair back and forth and it's beautiful you know it <laughs> you look at Verity and Verity's helm is empty there is a void inside her she's a suit of armor that's really cool at which point a head pops out of the stone of the portcullis <laughs> and just kind of phases through and you see before you a purple skinned with black dreaded hair White eyes with a touch of these dark uh, kind of red motes inside. Jagged, sharpened teeth and a kind of robed gown of sorts with these bits and baubles hanging from the, the neck. With still that black smoke and weird sand kind of pushing through the stone. Ren, you see your allies before you. Oh, hey, guys. And Ren's voice comes out of this person. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. Where'd everyone go? Who are you guys? It's uh, still us. And this voice is coming out of a disembodied, empty helm. I, uh... What happened to your hair? <laughs> Why oh. would you even bring that up? Oh, I'm sorry. Water begins to stream out from underneath the helm. I had a touchy subject, I guess. Who's... Wait, so who's the unicorn? That's Lewis. I nay. You nay? <laughs> How do you nay, Lewis? Nay. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Excellent job. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you ringtone. I, 
have a list here of horse sounds. I'm trying to find it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Someone came prepared without knowing to be prepared. The portcullis is open behind you, and you can hear talking inside as you've started to figure out, well, some in some cases, what the heck you are. Uh, Lucius, could you please make a nature check? And unfortunately, this comes at a minus two. Oh, <laughs> okay. So I rolled a two. So that's a zero? Yeah, so this is one wacky dream, and you don't care what you are. But hey, at least you got four arms. So listen, I'm not totally convinced this is, any of this is real. Guys, I'm going to be real honest with you. So, I mean, let's just make the best of it, right? Everything that comes out of his mouth at this point is a... It's all clicking. Do we understand it? Unfortunately not. And Lucius, you get the sense that suddenly your allies can't understand you. Right, guys? <laughs> right? Um... Sure, whatever... Yeah, um, what hmm. that what you said, what do you mean? What whatever, you... so I'm gonna so Ren's Ren's gonna be pretty upfront about this, Lucius. We can't understand what you're saying. Oh, you know how, like, when Lewis tries to speak, it's just a nay, you just sound like a bug. I clap three times, <laughs> clack, clack, clack. Uh, Lucius, does this learning frustrate your character yes <laughs> in this frustration though your allies are talking to you seems like they can't understand you however what i need to know from everyone is what are your characters thinking right now uh my thoughts right now were i wish that i could understand lucius this is weird this is strange uh i but maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'll be strong enough to save him, whoever him is. Maybe this is weird. Mess mm. is surprised how free he feels. <laughs> just, just a unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, Lucius, you hear all of those thoughts. Whoa. And that whoa you all here in your head. Ah! Lucius, you recognize you now have telepathy. Alright, listen up, guys. You all hear this in your head and freak out for a second. Ah! I think I'm inside your minds, and just know that going forward, I know what you're thinking. Well, that's uncomfortable. Yeah, slight <laughs> invasion of privacy, though I am glad I can understand what you're saying now, at least. Um, um, guys, I know that this is very strange for all of us, but the lady did imply that there was a fixed time limit in which to potentially save someone's life. Now, I'm not sure how real this is, but if it is real, I would rather n someone not die. Uh, Ren agrees, definitely. Um, oh, and Ren will say the things he saw uh, in the other room. So you are all aware that there is a chamber beyond. Uh, with, it's sort of like a ritual station uh, with a raised platform um, in the center, like a pedestal. And there's a small creature on it uh, with a larger creature kind of hunched over it. In terms of specific features, a lot of it were grays and blacks. But you are aware of the size of the room. 
there are two other kind of large muscular loping minions walking around. There's a slope and a stairs that head down into this space. And you would come out on a raised uh, balcony overlooking it. So it has kind of a, it's a circular pit from your perspective. I'll say, um, I think that might be the person we need to save. And maybe then all of this stuff will go away. <laughs> Just like that lady was somehow able to move and stuff with that spear in her chest. Um, yeah, let's fucking go. <laughs> let's fucking go. Rituals ain't here for that. Let's go. Uh, walking into the chamber, this uh, top balcony area, it looks like there are torches that could be lit, uh, but they're all dark at the moment. Luckily for you, you all recognize that you have dark vision now. Well, in some degree, anyway. Verity, you, you see everything in pitches of sound and heat signatures. You still have a pretty good sense of everything, but you judge you have blind sight at this point in time. But as you come into this uh, space, it's kind of dark on the top, and you can now hear as you enter a gentle chanting coming from uh, the center. Does anyone go and take a look? Oh, yes. 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 Mm -hmm. Stealthily. Very stealthily. Oh, glory me. Could you all uh, make stealth checks? Uh, you actually feel the shadows cling to each of you. Pass without trace is now active. Whatever your stealth is, whatever you rolled, add 10 to it. Oh. That's much better. 23. That's 29 for Verity. 29! Woo! 21 for Lucius. Shut up. I have a feeling she's going to need it, though. And that'll be tw uh, 29 for Ren as well. 23. Lucius disappears from time and space. Um, <laughs> and all of you now more in tune with, suddenly with your abilities and at least your overall look less awkward, more structured as you come into your own, especially Lewis, who is just the best in terms of being a unicorn right now. You all start to flank toward the edges, keeping a very low profile. The shadows cling to your forms, keeping you shadowed and hidden. And looking over the edge, you see in the center of this well-lit space, uh, with these etchings of geometric black shapes leading up to this raised pedestal, the form of a red-headed, half-elven boy, lying still with his eyes closed, his hands over his stomach, on this pedestal, like a slab, standing over him, seemingly in the process of sniffing him, hard to tell, is a tiger-like entity. Medium in size, muscular, uh, with flowing red robes and, and like a blue cape, a uh, fine set of jewels around its neck. But the thing that's most curious when you see it move its hands, in one hand it has clasped a pipe that it smokes here and there, but its hand is backwards. The wrist faces, or the, the palm of the hand faces the wrong direction. And as it steps back, you see it pull from its cloak a grizzled dagger, sort of twisted in its make, very cruel looking. And he is spinning it in his fingers, regarding the boy. 
Two other figures lumber around, seemingly keeping watch. They are uh, blue in skin, uh, kind of pulled taut against their bodies, hunched in a way, um, but highly muscular and angular in form. Sets of four black eyes embedded in their in their faces, and these protruding jaws that kind of unhinge, and you can see similar sharpened teeth to Ren at the moment, um, as they kind of gnash and... Uh, flex as they move around they're keeping watch but they have no idea that you're here i mean i'll be honest guys my first instinct is that i would really love to jump off this balcony and tackle him thoughts i think i might be able to do that more successfully but i'm heavier <laughs> of course we could all leap over the side and be heroic but if lucia if we could do it in a slight order and stagger our attacks. Hear me out. What if Verity launches me? Yes, I like this. I like this a lot. In which case, yeah, I'm down to jump down after, launch somebody, whatever. Okay. But uh, yeah, you want to get yeeted? Yeeted? Yeah, yeet Yoked? <laughs> Yoked? Yeeted? Yet? Yoked me? Yet? Yet? Yeeted? I like yeeten. I think I like yeeten. You want to get yeeten? Yes, yeeten. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, let's do that plan then. So yeah, I like put one knee down, cup my gauntleted hands at, at my other, like my raised knee, ready to just like give a big old boost. Sure thing. All right, so you see the uh, the tiger person at this point has is raising uh, the dagger over his his head and the. Um, chanting is beginning to crescendo, so this is the time. Uh, so you put you, you uh, cup to get ready to launch, and um, Lucius, you get ready. Uh, and what I need is a, a athletics check. And by the way, you have advantage on strength athletics checks, uh, Verity. So you're gonna make an athletics check at at advantage, And then Lucius, you're gonna make an acrobatics check with your plus eleven. 25, yeah. That's a 28 for the acrobatics. <laughs> okay. So, uh, instinctually, uh, Lucius, you actually find your, your extra arms wrap around your waist to become a little bit more aerodynamic. Uh, and you, you're not sure the, whether you wanted to do that or not, but it feels right. And they kind of, like, pocket themselves almost into sheaths. Uh, and you feel your whole body become like a missile as you are shot put, uh, launched into the air like a, a, a very short-range missile. And you feel yourself <laughs> fly upward and then arc downward with uh, rising speed. Uh, and right at the last moment, bring out all four of your limbs to land on top of this creature. Um, you can make an attack roll as you if you want. As Absolutely. You, land. you have advantage. Which would trigger a sneak attack if you hit him. Alright. That's a 14 on the dice. 14 on the dice, that's right. So you add to this a plus 6. That's 20. 20 will hit this mamma jamma. Uh, so 2d4 plus 3d6. Plus 3! Haha! <laughs> Math! 22. Woo! Okay. 
as all four of your limbs boom, 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 slam into uh, this creature, and he is driven to the ground, actually pushed a good five feet away uh, from the, the pedestal. The um, dagger clatters and just cuts a swath in the uh, the sand on this uh, on the floor of this um, chamber. And as he skids, you can feel your claws like small daggers just uh, spiking into his body. And he looks at you and growls and then yells out, Seems the pets have left their cages. Time to let Mama out. And you hear another roar above all of you. Three roars. A lion's roar, a draconic roar, and the bellow of like a really angry ram and you he- and you see this large grate like this huge gate go clang clang and start to be smashed downward and then smashed open and climbing out from under uh, uh from around it you see a creature with the front paws of a lion a scorpion's tail curled behind its back and a set of draconic wings flowing out from its back a second head of a dragon a red one curling behind the lion and a very angry ram who looks down at uh, your friend lucius with a with a, uh, just a little bit of of judgment you you see before you what you all recognize from your experiences that is a chimera i need us all to roll initiative Welcome to the last fight, everybody. Oh, boy. <laughs> That's always the best sound, by the way. Roll initiative. <laughs> yeah, that's a three. <laughs> and Verity, you get a minus one, so it's a two. Oh, fun. <laughs> I love that. Yes. Love that for me. Okay. You'll have just enough time to save everyone when they die. Um... <laughs> It's not a problem. Or avenge them, at least. <laughs> uh, as as initiative kicks off, um, uh, Lucius is on top of this tiger-like creature, uh, currently making him prone. They're both kind of grappling each other. Lewis, you're up first. You're up on the balcony. And this thing is now crawling along the ceiling. It doesn't seem to be paying any attention to you or your allies, just to Lucius. I'm going to leap off the balcony onto the the name that we don't know. Okay. Uh, so you can easily go boom, 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 and charge, running your way around uh, the edge of the uh, balcony, get to an edge. And if you want, you don't even have to jump. You just smash through because you can charge through stone uh, and just kind of, you know, fall with style uh, down on top of this creature. <laughs> so much style. <laughs> <laughs> As you run, Grass grows up from wherever your hooves smash down. It grows and dies. It goes through its entire life cycle in seconds. Wherever you run, you leave a trail of nature. And you boom, 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 and slam through uh, the uh, the railing of this space. And as rocks start to fall, the you, Lucius, you hear the tiger person go, what in the ever living? And then it's cut off because I self-censor sometimes, uh, as the <laughs> unicorn smashes down with a, a wonderful um, horn attack, I suppose. Uh, unless you want to smash him with your hooves. That's up to you. The million-dollar question. Hooves or horny? I mean, horn. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> Starting with hooves down at that. All right, ho the hooves are the are the stronger one, um, and you're gonna get your charge bonus. So this is a, an attack roll with a plus seven. That's a two. A two. You have advantage. He is prone. Four. Four plus seven. Yeah. Okay. So, what in the boom? A um up. <laughs> a flying penguin not penguin wow a flying unicorn oh i was thinking penguin what is happening a flying unicorn of justice slams down <laughs> next to you missing the uh tiger creature's face entirely but making a six inch chasm right next to you that kind of spills into and all you see is the uh the flowing locks these kind of uh, jets of silver kind of flowing off of the, the hair. It's a beautiful sight. It misses, but it's a beautiful sight. <laughs> Can I trade my attack for intimidation? For intimidation? <laughs> yes, you can. And you know what? I'll let you intimidate. Really? You have expertise in performance, I think. Not performance, intimidation. That's what it was. Uh, so... <laughs> I'm sure we could make... <laughs> uh, so you're going to make a uh, uh, intimidation check with a plus 11. Whoa. Uh, 19? <laughs> so despite boom, slamming down the, the sheer weight and prowess of this majestic creature rolls across both of you, and my goodness, it is quite a sight. The tiger creature his jaw is agape at this, and he is rather taken by the whole um, uh, visage and is at the moment, despite the knives embedded in his side, is ignoring Lucius and just staring at the unicorn. My goodness, I've never seen anything so beautiful. Ren. Okay, that was pretty good. Um <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so I'm still up on the balcony, right? Uh, Ren is going to uh, kind of hold out uh, his arms, his arm appendages, uh, and really and really try to focus his magic missile um, that he used earlier this time. Ooh. So as you start to focus uh, the various darts, you feel breaking free from the wreckage that um, Lewis had smashed through more bits of rocks kind of come to your aid as dark force energy starts to flow around them, turning them into darts. You pull four, five, six, seven, nine darts float around you. Please allocate them. Two darts. I will fire at the tiger man mm -hmm. and the remaining seven. I will fire at the three headed uh, behemoth. All right, so I need 2d4 plus 2, and then 7d4 plus 7. So the first one is going to be 10 total. All right. Uh, 25 force damage. All right. Uh, the first two darts go boom, boom, into the shoulders of this, this creature, and they sort of deaden against him. You judge he doesn't take as much damage as you thought he would. Well, that's good to know. However, the chimera, the seven darts go boom, 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 boom right into its uh, torso. And it, it, feeling that impact, starts to look wildly around. You see all three heads begin to look around. And uh, I'm going to go with your stealth check from before, which is ridiculous. Um, despite the, t the impacts, cannot seem to find you. And you notice the dragon head turn uh, and look down 
in the general vicinity of where you all are, but still no one can see you as flame starts to gather at the corners of its mouth. I'm going to also use my movement if I need to, um, to uh, move slightly away from the group so that I, so that we're not, not all grouped up. Oh, you're trying to avoid fireball formation? Yes, it's a, it can be a useful tactic. Holy cow! <laughs> all right, Lucius, you're up. All right. I'm going to continue to stab this tiger person. That's a 24. And you have advantage on this attack because he's prone in front of you. So I get to do the sneak attack damage. 16 damage. Awesome sauce. Uh, and as you slam down, your other two arms curl back and you have another attack. <laughs> Won't be able to get sneak attack on this one, but you still have advantage. All right. I'm going to attack him again, I guess. Yeah, go for it. The better of the two was a 13. As these second ones come in, you're not quite used to them, but you wanted to use them. The tiger, <laughs> with its reverse paws, uh, grabs one of your uh, attacks and just kind of holds on there. Great. My turn. Unless you try to like to try and get away from this guy. You judge, you can use a bonus action to disengage if you want. You know what? Yeah, I, I'll, I'll choose to do that. With your superior movement, you can easily flip off of him uh, and gain a lot of, of distance. Um, as you back up, you pass the pedestal where the boy is, uh, still lying flat on his back, eyes closed, and with a with your spectral vision, you can clearly notice that his uh, chest is rising and falling. He's alive and breathing, but seems to be in some sort of trance or sleep-like state. The tiger creature will will kind of bend at the waist, and then you see him just rise as his tail pushes him up from uh, the back and he goes to a standing position still holding his pipe which in one hand he crushes and from the pipe these uh, spirals of flame start to snake around his uh, furred hands no that was very rude but impressive I think you'll be very helpful and he points at you Lucius and uh, I need you to make a charisma saving throw. And this will be at a minus one. Nice. So that's a 12? You feel your whole body suddenly lock up for a moment. And then your emerald-ish, your emerald tinge to your vision turns with like a smoky pink of enchantment. You now regard this creature and know it to be a Rakshasa. It is now your friend and ally as you feel your whole psyche become dominated. Now, take care of this majestic creature. And he points at the uh, unicorn. <laughs> so what that means is on your turn, and the way the nature of the spell works, and the creature that you are, you have some psionic resistance. You won't be dominated for very long, but you're going to spend a turn controlled by him, and then you'll be able to make the save, just so you're aware of that mechanic. Okay. Then the Chimera... Uh, the head of the uh, dragon hangs down a little bit and just... <laughs> and this huge cone of fire lances toward... Um, uh, uh, excuse me. Ren, you have moved back. You are out of the way. Lucius, you're fine. Lewis, you're down below. Verity! Hey! <laughs> Verity, with your minus one dexterity save, uh, I need you to please... Make a dexterity saving throw. Um, 
That's a 13. Okay. As you go, uh oh, uh oh, uh oh, uh oh, and this torrent of fire just spills out, uh, flows almost like this liquid magma of uh, of death, um, and it slams into you, pushing you over the edge uh, as you start to topple over the uh, the edge of the uh, 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 railing. And as you slam down, you feel yourself get a little dented, kind of beat up, but suffer no pain. And even as you rise. You look at your armored hands that are now white hot as the metal is being superheated. You're not sure if this is damaging you or may have made something else happen. Hmm. But you are currently really, really hot. I mean, Verity's always been really, really hot. I was going to say, Verity has reached the the pinnacle (laughs) of hotness now. (laughs) But you now are on the ground floor, and as as you rise, the two... uh, other guards with the spears kind of back away from you rapidly shouting uh, like shouts of warning. And uh, the rest of you down below can see Verity land and rise with these white hot spokes in the um, in her armor glowing. Who knows what effect this just had? Verity, it's your turn, hot stuff. <laughs> um, so the chimera is above, right? Yes, it's kind of climbing around. I think Verity would maybe like to try throw hands, like literally. Try. I, I think what she wants to do is try and use her strength to almost like shoot one of her fists just straight upwards like a rocket. All right. So you try to Mega Man it. Uh, or, <laughs> or Iron Man for those, uh, those uh, whippersnappers that are... Uh, (laughs) so you you aim upwards and you feel the heat boiling up inside like starting at your chest as if it were like a furnace and torrents of flame are building up and starting to burst out at your elbows so yeah you point upwards and kind of aim and you're gonna make an attack roll um this will be a ranged slam with a plus eight and if you hit something extra might happen oh uh, that is a 27. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> and your your <laughs> gauntlet on your right hand fires off like a rocket. Uh, you see bits of molten magma flowing out from it as if it were engine fuel. As it fires up and it, it punches the uh, lion right in the face. Um, <laughs> you're going to roll 4d8 plus 5. Very nice. <laughs> 8, 10, 14, 15, plus 5, 20. Wow. As it whack just slams across its face, you see it for a little bit of time it actually punches the chimera upwards because it's a jet. So it keeps pushing its face up before it kind of spirals off and you watch it spiral out like a firework. Just uh, and it lands in kind of a tuft of uh, of cooling metal in like a heap next to you, still fizzling out uh, from the fuse. And you judge, you can do that one more time. Oh, I'll tell you what, actually, no. I'll, I'll, send, I'll send off my other hand first. And okay. then if they both come back down, I'll just, like the way my head just reconnected to the body, I'm going to just lean my arms in and see if they reconnect to the hands, hopefully. Okay. Um, but we'll send, we'll send off... Rocket fist number two first. Yeah, rocket fist. Was that a plus 
Eight. Seventeen. Oh, perfect. Uh, that'll hit, so this time 4d8 plus 5. 6, 10, 15, 18, plus 5, 22. <laughs> 3, 23! I can't do maths. I'm a teacher. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, this one slams <laughs> into the ram head, and you watch one of its horns snap off as it <laughs> just smashes through it and does <laughs> land about a couple feet from you. And you can lean down, and it looks like there's a slight magnetic pull, and you can get one of the gauntlets back on before your turn ends. I'll get whatever my dominant hand was previously, probably my right hand, okay. back on. Your right hand is back on. And at this point, you are starting to cool, though the glass, sorry, the sand around you is kind of turning to glass as you're, as you're superheating it wherever you walk. Okay. Nice. Unicorn! Looks... <laughs> Alright. Torn time. Charge. Very good. Now, the uh, the tiger creature, whom now you kind of coalesce and go, wait, wait, I've read about these. That's a Rakshasa. Uh, the Rakshasa is too close for you to charge, but you're also far enough away that you could just back up and then charge him. <laughs> so yeah. you, you yeah. do that. Come back <laughs> away and then turn around and just charge at him. Wait, wait, you majestic creature, wait! <laughs> <laughs> Alright, you're gonna make an attack roll with a plus seven. Doug's like, get him! It's another four. Oh my gosh! Uh, you know, it, 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 there's a chance it wouldn't have come up, but I will say, you, you each have one inspiration that you can spend if you want <laughs> to re-roll anything. Yeah, it seems like a good time. Lewis uses your inspiration. You see where not to stab him with your horn. <laughs> totally miss him and loop around and come back. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, he's got to back up again. Resetting. Ah, you missed. Uh, 12 plus 7. Uh, 19? As a 19, well done. Yes, that hits all that beautiful piercing damage. 19 plus 4? So 23. Yeah. That counts as magical piercing damage. So you... Bam! Slam into him, and he has to make a strength save because you're charging him. Crap! So not only do you slam a, your horn into him and there's a burst of radiance, as you actually feel really good about stabbing this creature with your horn, uh, you can feel him be lifted up off his legs and then slammed down as he is knocked prone and laying prone before you. If you want, you can also make a hooves attack because he's prone in front of you. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> Rear up and yell at him. <laughs> That's a 19. <laughs> All right. That is, uh, it's 2d6 plus 4. We found the bruiser of the party. Uh, 12. Boom! Both hooves slam down onto his chest and you feel like a little pop in his ribcage. He's fine. What's coming for you is pain. I just, like, give him a horsey snort in his face. Reaction to horsey snort. <laughs> <laughs> That's staying in. <laughs> if, it's a, if it's a snarky snort, does it make it a snork? <laughs> I think so. And the action. special unicorn move. And the verb is snork is snorkel. Uh... <laughs> 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 oh, perfect. All right. 
observing the snorkel, uh, Ren is going to, uh, <laughs> he's going to reevaluate the situation here. Um, the Chimera is looking a little bit beat up now. Yeah, Ren thinks that the best, his best um, options right now are to try and uh, take out the big guy while you guys handle the more close combat. So instead of magic missile this time, he's actually going to try and reach for something, something else, uh, something that he might have to um, really aim for. Um, oh, and, and I, I wanted to say, uh, he's going to recall um, what the administrator said about uh, his card, that it would give him some sort of insight. So he's going to actually try to use the card to see if there's potentially a, a weak spot. Uh, so you take the, the card and you think on it, and it becomes just a floating eye of crystal in front of you. And you see it shoot forward, uh, almost like a missile, like a dart, right ahead of your vision, and it illuminates a small uh, segment of where the wings connect to the back. And it looks like it's an old wound, like an old burn suffered, maybe where a javelin was thrust at one point. And as you look at that, a bead of sickly green energy begins to form in your fingertips. I will hold out my hand and I will point straight at that spot as best I can. Okay. This eye grants you my rare prime advantage. You will roll three times and uh, add eight to each one to take the best one. Okay. On the very third die, I rolled a 19 base, so it's going to be 27. The ray slings out and seems to disappear for a moment until this huge impact of force energy explodes out from uh, just under the wing. And I need you to roll 10d6 plus 40. Plus 40, you say? All right. Holy shit. You cast Disintegrate. <laughs> okay. Give me one second here. <laughs> so, in the spirit of this adventure, uh, it's going to be uh, 69 uh, is the total. <laughs> I just died in your arms tonight because I'm laughing too much. Uh, <laughs> and that poof, slams uh, into its uh, body and you see this wraith of decay just flow upward along its entire right wing as it just turns to ash and the musculature just melts away it still has its arm and it still has its body but it's missing chunks of its muscles now and you see from its point perched it loses a lot of that strength and i've got to make a saving throw to see if it holds on wow and without that arm and the back leg you see the the tail kind of reach forward and try to scrape to find purchase but that much weight still hanging on with only one arm and without a wing to help it the ceiling gives way and the chimera smashes down uh into the the balcony and that force that's a natural one on stone um smashes through the uh that entire ceiling crushing one of the Quagoths that was hanging around going, oh, I'm a good guard. I'm a, uh-oh. And they are splatted immediately. You don't have to worry about them later. <laughs> As the Chimera smashes down and suffers another, probably, another 26 points of bludgeoning damage from smashing through rock. As it tries to lift itself up, 
you all can see the the ram's head is snapped. It is dead on its uh, form. Okay. So that happened. Oh boy. <laughs> I'm also now that it's on the floor. Uh, for my movement, I'm gonna I'm gonna move a little bit more so that I'm not in a straight line with my comrades. Very good. As it as it does lift up. Oh man, that disintegration. Uh, I will say it can no longer fly, and it has lost one of its multi attacks because of that the amount of damage that it has suffered. Nice. Yee. Okay. Lucius. On your turn, you instead look at your your ally of Lewis, and with blinding speed, you feel a sudden harnessing of like an acclimation to your body, as if someone else were driving it, but hey, I didn't know I was this fast. And you, from a standing position, leap into the air and f almost fly toward Lewis's majestic form, proceeding to take two attacks on him. Unfortunately, I now I have to roll for those. It's kind of weird, I know, to have it out of your control. But it's a 19 and an 18, and both of those will hit the Lewis. Yeah, take that. And Lewis, you see, flying through the air is your friend and ally, Lucius, as he slams into you and starts carving into you with his, uh, his knives. And the cuts hurt. They hurt a lot. Both attacks just carve across your, your body. And you now see fresh silver blood flowing from your wounds. I stared daggers at him. Uh, but you judge, uh, Lewis, that you're you're at half of your hit points right now. Wow, that was a lot at once. It's a lot of blood. Need that back inside the unicorn. Lucius, at the end of your turn, after carving into your friend, you have that sudden pang of, wait, this isn't right. Can you please make another charisma save? So that one's a... You said minus one, right? Yeah. So that's a 15. 15 is exactly what you need to roll. Nice. Uh, you feel it kind of shake free of, of your body, and you now see what you've done. Okay, sorry, man. I wasn't quite myself there for a second. I mean, click, 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 click. <laughs> Snork. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think that you actually say that in his head. <laughs> uh, the chimera will try to rise and kind of shake itself off, and it stares daggers right at you, Ren, as it bounds over the, the rocks and uh, broken stone and just comes right to you, and it will, instead of taking four attacks, will take three. That's considerate. Yes. Hey, this is where we get to learn our ACs. At last! Things are hitting you. Ren, your AC is 13. And it strikes at you for a 15, a natural 20, and a 23. What happens if I flinch? If you flinch? Yeah, with, with intention to not get hit. <laughs> um, if you twitch, you can spend a reaction to cast shield. That, that feels good. Yeah, no, I, th I think I'll do that. Awesome. As you go, not in the face, and a shield of smoke flows up in front of you, and the first strike, boom, slams against it. The second and third, however, shatter it and just smash you down. Two's better than three. Yes, it is, especially considering our hit points. Natural 20. Ooh. 45 points of slashing damage. 
Uh, and the, the impact here is it like knocks you down at first and then like a cat bats you across the, the uh, entire arena. So you get slammed down. You feel the claws kind of rip into you and then it, it just sideswipes you and you feel yourself get launched into the air head, o- head over heels until you slam into the far wall um, with a little yeah, I imagine I imagine as I tumble when I hit that wall, I kind of phase halfway through it, so I'm like half inside the wall. My just le- my legs are just sticking out of the wall. That's fair, and sand is just leaking everywhere. Not my sand. You don't bleed. You're just you just got sand pouring out of your body. You should really go back in your body. All right, the Rakshasa, displeased to be stabbed and moved about, and that his domination has uh, ended. Uh, he's going to take his claws, and you see them kind of glow with this fiery, um, dripping magma. And he, he puts them in front of him, kind of crossing them in front of his, his body. Fine. Time for pain. And he stomps his foot, and you see these red veins start to arc up his body and across his form. And he begins to kind of vibrate at a rapid succession and then goes like a roadrunner. He moves alarmingly fast and uh, rolls right up to uh, Lewis the Unicorn. And he will take three claw attacks. He's a mad kitty. Lewis, you understand your AC is 13. As red fiery magma claws carve into your body. And a fresh spray of silver blood cascades across uh, the space. At this point, you become very aware of your own mortality as it carves, carves, carves across your skin. Uh, and you feel like there's, you know, there, there's a lot, a lot less blood in you than there is on the floor right now. I wouldn't dare kill a unicorn. <laughs> this would put you at five Ooh, out, of, out of 60. You become very aware of your maximum HP and where you are currently uh, as this thing is now panting in front of you going, I'm going to enjoy a unicorn feast tonight. Angry stump. (laughs) Verity. Okay. So, uh, moving very carefully so as not to step on the boy who's on the platform, uh, (laughs) Verity's gonna like run round jump up, like, get a bit of purchase and a bit of, like, launch speed from the platform and do a big old, I don't know what the wrestling term is, you know, like an elbow drop. Pile driver. Pile driver. You're just going to do a big old pile driver into the Chimera. That is glorious. Okay, um, there's a lot of, of wreckage that's been fallen down from the immense amount of chaos of a Chimera falling through oh, yes. the ceiling. Uh, so there's plenty of wreckage for you. Actually find uh, a jutting piece of of rock, not unlike Pride Rock, uh, kind of jutting <laughs> out um, that you can easily kind of rush up. Um, this will be an athletics check to get you airborne, so it'll be a plus 10 d20 roll. Uh, 25. Oh, yeah. You could, 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 boom, you leap off, and as you leap, the stone snaps underneath your feet with the sheer force of you leaping, uh, and uh, you find yourself singing through the air, literally singing as wind is moving through your hollow armor form. Cool. And you... 
uh, and you get the elbow ready for a pile driver. I'm going to give you a uh, slam attack with advantage. Awesome. That is a 17. Uh, that'll hit. Oh, man. So this is 2d8 plus 5. 8 plus 6 is 14. Plus 5 is 19. <laughs> Uh, you you sing through the air, and there's a Herculean impact, uh, like like a meteor falling. Um, uh, as you slam, I, I'm going to ask: uh, Lion Head or Dragon Head? A Dragon Head for sure. All right. You not only crunch into it, you crunch through it. Oh. <laughs> As it caves in from the front of the face and, and you punch through the other end, through the skull, through the brain matter. Um, as you smash through, however, you notice your left arm, the one doing the pile driver, is now missing. As you clang, 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 clang and slide to a stop. Now on the other side, you have another attack, though. So did I lose an arm in that process? You lost an arm in the skull of the dragon. Okay, so I forgot to get my other arm so i currently have no arms oh right um, so i'm just gonna look at the lion and just like headbutt it just nut it <laughs> it's such a great expression um i don't know if it has the same meaning in america it, it doesn't we have but... we have the other meaning too um the theming do, for this episode oh 15 at 15 I'm, I'm, gonna use my uh, inspiration on this one just because i wanna i wanna hate it you wanna hate it uh well it only helped by one 16. you slam it with your head same thing <laughs> 2d8 plus 5. 14. uh so this time you rush right up to the lion head uh and just wham how would you like to do this i think i want to like as much as not having eyes like there's like a moment of eye contact and kind of verity almost like brings up the two arm stumps and it's kind of like gesturing without hands of like hey look at me look into my eyes look into my eyes boom <laughs> and just like right in the temple right between the eyes just like whole all of her strength throwing her head forwards and just slamming into it beautiful uh, you rush in front of the, the lion head just as it's taking another bead on, on Ren, trying to find this other creature uh, looking for the sand. Uh, and you rush up and you can hear the eh, 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 of you moving the shoulder blades <laughs> and trying to <laughs> try to get that. And that little squeak, you hear the <laughs> as the uh, lion's eyes now stare right into you and then just you arc back and slam your head forward uh, and you go right for the between the eyes, and you hear a <laughs> as you wham. The impact sends a shockwave of uh, force right through the center of this thing's face, and you actually watch the whole face go concave and just <laughs> inward as you snap the, the the skull into wherever the brain was, and it just <laughs> breaks. The whole thing flattens from the sheer force of your your hit. You also are aware there might be a dent in your helmet, but the Chimera is dead. I sure he hope he wasn't the one we were supposed to be saving. Big oof. Start over. <laughs> <laughs> Reset. 
Oh, and I'll, if there is an arm within sight, if I've got any movement left, I'll try and get an arm back. I'd say that you've spent your movement to do that amazing that, pile driver that. and, the, <laughs> and the, the headbutt of death. Hey, it's only been like 18 seconds in this fight. <laughs> nice. Combat's funny. Lewis. I'm going to use the crown and hope for the best. Then gloriously and royal. The uh, glorious crown solidifies on your head and casts a brilliant wave of radiance out from you. Immediately, the Rakshasa um, pulls his hands back and tries not to be blinded by this, this force of will. The brilliance of the crown makes it so the Rakshasa does not want to attack you. And he backs away instead, bowing to you, saying... Apologies, my liege. I didn't see you. And instead turns his attention to Lucius. <laughs> so you've activated the crown. Um, as a bonus action, you judge you can actually do a healing touch to yourself if you want. Yeah. If you do so, you heal back 11 hit points, which puts you at a nice, healthy 16. <laughs> Perfectly healthy. Yeah, completely. Still alive. <laughs> <laughs> and Lewis, did you want to... Uh, like back away from this uh, engagement, or do you want to stay where you are? Hey, stay in there. Ren, you're in a wall. I am in a wall. I'm conscious, though. Yeah, Ren will uh, spend half his uh, movement to stand up. I suppose. I suppose my best bet is actually going to be magic missile in this case. Uh, I think that one has the longest range. So, um, I'll use magic missile on the Raksha. On the Raksha. Okay. Uh, this time calling for it. Are you going to roll a d10? That's how many darts you get. Alrighty. Nine. Alright, you got nine darts. Congratulations. Alright, and they're all going to go at him. <laughs> okay. Okay, 30. So 30 have to 15. Uh, the darts still go into the side of, of him, and he he takes it. He's He looks like he's kind of bloodthirsty at the moment just watching uh, Lucius. However, Lewis is brilliant and beautiful and rather like in intoxicating as a as a vision. You kind of have to shake it free of your of your vision for a sec there. Lucius with a um blindingly royal visage next to you and a Rakshasa pissed off and probably hasted before you. What do you want to do? Can I like fly leap onto this Rakshasa like I did onto Lewis? Yes, you can. You understand, based on experiencing this, that you can do a standing leap. Uh, so you literally leap up from where you are, and you can land down Goro-style. Yes. Alright. So no athletics check needed. Your spider climb abilities allow you to spring upward, and coming down with this and then straight down, it'll give you advantage on this first attack. Roll the nat 20 on the first one. Heck yes! Good thing, because that's the sneak attack one. So, 37. <laughs> Leap up. Slam back down, driving one of the claws deep into this uh, Rakshasa's side. He's, he spits up some of uh, his strange, like, purplish, uh, reddish blood. And grabbing onto it as you kind of dig in, you have another attack. I'm going to take it. Go for it. Okay, well... That was a one. <laughs> have you spent your inspiration yet? No, I've not. You may if you like. 
I will. Okay. That's better. So that's a 22. 22 will hit him. Six damage. Six damage, okay. Uh, you slam the other one into like the, the top of his chest where he starts to grab on. Uh, and you feel yourself, you're able to kind of lift him up a bit uh, with your forearms. And despite your kind of lanky form, you have leverage. Uh, and as you start to bring him up, he uh, leans in, spits in your face, and goes, Do you even know why you're here? You think this is some test, right? You think you're the good guys? I assume so, yeah. And what makes you good? Do you not see how much we just murderated that chimera? Oh, good. You can follow directions. How heroic. Are you about to sacrifice this one kid? That child is a demon. We're simply ridding the world of dangerous artifacts. You are stopping the work of angels. And then he is going to uh, cast a spell. Can I react? You can. You see uh, these bits of, of um, sorry, pink smoke coming out from his lips. You recognize the school to be enchantment. Would you like to try and stop this spell? Yes. Yes, I would. Like a way to counter it, perhaps? Oh, perhaps, oh. perhaps. So you reach out and you do cast Counterspell. I need you to make a uh, charisma check. So you're going to roll the d20 and add four. All right, go die. Don't let me down. <laughs> oh, I'm going to use my inspiration. <laughs> I, mm, that was worse. Uh, it's going to be seven in total. You try to reach for the the counter spell, and the the spell itself is too strong for you to resist. But you can see it, and you feel like you could break it apart, maybe even dispel it later. But this creature casts a high level suggestion, uh, and I need what a great stat! Oh, you have a plus one to this. So, Lucius, you're gonna make a wisdom save and add one. That's uh, that's the second one in a row, or no? I never mind. But that's another one. Another natural one. That's okay. Story reasons are fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as he just reach, he pulls himself in because you're kind of holding him, uh, and whispers in your ear, "Go take care of the boy." And you feel yourself let go of him, pulling your claw out of his side, and start to look it toward the boy, whose eyes have now shot open and are black, like jet black. Verity! Um, so I can obviously see this happen. I'm gonna try and grapple Lucius. Okay. This will be fun, because you have both have expertise in the opposing stats. Now, uh, <laughs> Verity, <laughs> you can run forward, you're gonna make an athletics check to grapple, you get a plus ten. And Lucius, I assume you want to resist this grapple. Yes. So you're going to make an acrobatics check. So that's plus 11. And these will oppose each other. 24. 28. Oh! God damn it. <laughs> Verity, you do grapple him. Uh, but you get just two of the four arms. And the other two 
pit, like push down on your arms and literally vault him out of your grasp as he just easily flips out of it. However, a grapple check is one attack roll. You can do another one. Um, how is... I mean, I could try grapple again, but how is the Rakshasa looking? He is bloodied, at the very least. He's looking pretty beat up. Kind of working on the assumption that if he's dead, the like Lucius will act normal again. Um, I'm gonna attack the Rakshasa. I'll say that as you rush over to, to grab onto him, because grappling him would be hard without an, an arm, uh, you, you pick up the one arm that had landed with you before. So you have one, and you can go and punch or headbutt as you like. Uh, I'm going to go for a punch. All right, so make a slam attack. 16. 16? Mm. 16 just barely hits. Yes. So it's 2d8 plus 5. Okay. That is 15. 15. It's bludgeoning damage. And whack across his, his face. Uh, you feel the jaw kind of pop out of out of place for a moment as he uh, looks up. And um, at that point, uh, Lucius, you can make a wisdom save. As the connection to him has been disrupted. That's a 7. The suggestion instead holds, unfortunately. Sweet. But it looks like whatever that was, the, the Rakshasa's eyes kind of flicker, and it seems to interrupt whatever hold is on um, Lucius, as his eyes also flicker in the same frequency. Lewis! The Royal Lewis! Time to charge them again. Oh, yeah! Cool. And 19. Yeah. 18. 18 points of damage? How would you like to finish this creature? Yeah! Nice. As he's kind of squaring off against um, Verity, you he hears the charge first and turns around, goes, Wait! My liege! Wait! And just, it slams into his, his chest. Uh, the horn extends a good extra foot and then another foot. Like it becomes a spear uh, extending out from your forehead. It pikes him. And you can actually Oof. lift him up uh, and <laughs> as you gallop. But the radiance coming from the horn actually peels away his skin like he is burning. Your actual presence begins to melt him. He is rapidly dying and scrambling at the horn, trying to remove himself from it. Should he burn away, or would you like him to go some other way? With him biked and you galloping around, uh, if you like, like a victory lap. As he <laughs> continues to torch and scorch his body, now writhing in, in uh, fiendish pain, your lawful good radiance spills across him, um, peeling away and destroying the fiend, uh, you know, foot by foot, inch by inch, until there is nothing left except for the little bit of jewelry around his neck. Tiny bits of gold and bronze in this very gaudy uh, necklace, ending in a clasped ruby held by a skeletal hand. That uh, chinks on the uh, edge of your horn as your horn uh, shrinks down from its four-foot length. 
back to its one foot, two foot length or so. And as the flames die down, all of you do notice that the plants that have grown from the path of the unicorn do not die, but stay. Barity's just running straight over to the boy. The boy, whose eyes are jet black, you notice the etchings of geometric shapes and, uh, like, creeping ink, almost, have started to creep up the edge of the pedestal and spill underneath him, as if they're pooling there. Bren will, of course, make his way as quickly as possible to get over there, and he's going to attempt to dispel magic. All right. You recognize the strange gray smoke that emanates from the school of necromancy. You reach out and a burst of sand first escapes your wounds. You're like, oh, I'm really hurt. Uh, And then it lances around your hand, rushing forward as dozens of hands flow from this cloud of smoke and sand until they spill into the black inky tendrils. And then all of them just burst and spill away, melting, almost like evaporating away from the boy. Color returns to his eyes. A light kind of olive green with motes of sapphire. He blinks a few times and you see breath return to his body. And he looks up at all of you and says, Oh, you came. Where's Mama? She's waiting for you. Come along now. There's no sense staying here. She uh, sent us to come find you. Oh, all right, all right. That's that's good. And he sits up. You notice his hair goes from a deep red to white. And then he kind of shakes it and it turns purple. And as he's moving around, it continues to change shades. Just constantly changing shades. Verity thinks, Lucius, what the fuck? You just... His mum, she's down the hall. He's going to see that she's got a fucking javelin through her in a second. I'm not entirely sure that's his mom. I say in my head, but I don't know where else we should go. I'm fairly sure that's his mum. You don't get that kind of accent from anywhere else. (laughs) Two Scottish people in one adventure, they have to be related. Uh, The boy hops off the pedestal and, of all people, walks over to Lucius. And goes, eeny, meeny, miny, mo, catch a tiger, and then takes one of uh, Lucius's hands in his own and kind of looks up expectantly at the insect like creature. All right, then. And I guess I start leading him towards the other room. Uh, as, you, as you walk, he kind of skips uh, and you hear him whistle. It's a very light whistle. You notice his feet. They're not touching the ground. He's walking maybe six inches or so above the ground. Wherever his steps are, there's a a tuft of sand that's sort of brushed away. He'll reach up and stroke the mane of the unicorn and say, and bow and go, Your Highness. What is happening? You got a snorkel. Snorkel back to him. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and as he as he walks, he continues to kind of skip, swinging Lucia, one of Lucius's arms with him, and he starts talking. You know, 
You're the first ones to actually come find me. The rest of them, they just go through the door and then they find a way out. Nobody comes to get me. Strange. I mean, and he looks back, especially at Ren, who you now see is a sort of a monstrous conglomeration of hanging flesh and leaking sand. It obscures and obfuscates Ren's form, making them appear almost ghostly, gaunt, undead. Most people, when they're given monsters, they become monsters. And then he kind of perks up and goes, ah, but I'm glad you didn't. <laughs> and then continues to skip along the way back, the, the hallway. The doors are still smashed, are still destroyed in their various ways. However, they've grown over in these thick matted vines of uh, white roses and orchids. Looks a lot like uh, Lewis has been here. And then at the far end, where you had lifted the gate, there stands a woman in simple dress, holding a clipboard. No spear. You look for the spear. She's holding one. It stands more like a, a halberd. Brilliant, not old and rusted. That ends and tapers almost to a point and seems to be em like emitting some measure of light. The same warm smile greets you, but no longer the lifeless form. All right, all right, come on, come on, come on over. Oh, Wesley, let me see you. And the little boy lets go of Lucius's hand and runs uh, headlong, just diving and, and bobbing and weaving. Again, feet never touching the stone to uh, wrap his arms around the, the waist of this, this woman. Well, and as you approach, she holds up the clipboard. Now it sort of floats in front of her, the quill dancing and moving around it. All right, uh, quick, quick uh, check in. Also, who used their cards? All right, so Verity did not use the card. Good, the eye was used. The crown was a definitive idea. And uh, looks like we'll have to save the others for other times. He'll want to know that. I should probably let him know that. You know, it's it's terrible when you give people peripherals that they don't use. Anyway, I'll collect those. And with a wave of her hand, uh, the two other cards remaining are like thrust out of your grasp and just sink into the clipboard, binding themselves back into the parchment. All right, all right, very good. Well, Wesley, darling, are you hurt? No, mommy. We're in great shape. All right, then. Well, safe to say, it's always nice when you get to play a little monsters. And with that, her dress sort of grows and stretches as a set of angelic wings pour out of her back. They curl around herself and the boy. It goes, toodaloo. And a column of bright white light shoots up from her form, washing over all of you as well. Each of you awakens.
a little sore, a little tense, as rays of sunlight start to peek in and unceremoniously go across your eyes. Verity. Do I have hair? As you awaken, you immediately grab your head and you have your luscious locks. Oh, thank the Lord. Oh, thank the Lord. Do I have hooves? (laughs) (laughs) And, Louis, you immediately look under the covers. You are back to having human feet and human hands. I make sure that my skin is skin. Your skin is skin. Uh, you you hold the, the bedsheet for a long time, and your hands do not turn the color of the bedsheet. Oh. Good. I guess. Ren, when he, when he wakes up, um, he, he looks out the window, as the light's pouring in, um, and he and just kind of scratches his face a little bit and pulls his hand away to see a few grains of sand kind of just tumble out of his hand and disappear amongst the folds of the sheets. And he thinks about, thinks about all the things that, that had happened, makes a mental note to keep an eye out for the people that he met. Verity, as you check everything, you're back to your beautiful self, you hear a clunk uh, on the other side of your pillow, something resting between the bed and the wall. I check it out. It appears to be a helm, small, more ornamental, not really built for your actual head. And inside is a platinum card. I pick up the card. The card etched in what appears to be liquefied electrum are the initials L J D. The helm thrums with memory. Lewis, even as you sigh and go, back to being human, something's poking you. Um, get it? Reaching underneath, you find two things. One is a one-foot solid gold horn. The other is a platinum card with the initials LJD, inscribed in Electrum. Fantastic. <laughs> Uh, Ren, as you think on the the sand that was still underneath your fingernails, you start to rise and kind of bump your head and feel something uh, above the bedpost. It appears to be a vial of smoky gray and white sand. And next to it, a platinum card in Electrum LJD. And Lucius, even with your skin returned to normal, you find on your dresser a stone beetle, almost more ebony even, sitting on top of a platinum card with LJD. 
And as the sun rises, and real exams begin, that's where we'll close this episode. strive to defend Nui Zatalos and live up to my role as a spiritual leader. I journey to increase my knowledge of the cusp and cosmos. It has been prophesied that there is destiny in my blood. I fight for the honor of the name Steadyhand and the great kingdom of Firdirth. I wanted to find my true place in the world. I will protect my home and family at all costs. A young ruler's grasp for power threatens an already fractured world. Meet the heroes in Arc 2 of Advantage, a 5th edition D&D audio drama. Find us on all podcast apps.